Podmortem would like to thank Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Original Cinematic is an independent production company that has made it their mission to create, produce, and promote films that are inclusive, honor women, promote the LGBTQIA community, and provide prominent positions and roles to POC actors and filmmakers and promote the films of marginalized and underrepresented populations. These are all things that are extremely important to our podcast as well. Original Cinematic is proud to be a WGA signatory company, and they fully stand by the WGA, SAG, and their members in their fight for extremely reasonable standards. Accordingly, they are not accepting script or treatment submissions at this time, but both William and Zena Rush are available via email, free of charge, to discuss writing and provide input and resources to all aspiring writers. Their information will be made available in the show notes. Ahead of the strike... William Rush has individually produced numerous projects, including Coffee with Baba, Day by Day, They Slay, Before, Pack is Here, Abiquiu, The Winemaker, and Where Do You Draw the Line? Two feature films, Group and Immersion, are slated for release this fall. Absolutely no picket lines will be crossed and no collective bargaining agreements will be violated in the making of either of these films. And very generously, Original Cinematic is providing all Podmortem patrons with a special link to view these films. If arrangements can be made, they will even schedule a virtual or in-person screening for our patrons. We cannot thank Original Cinematic enough for their contribution to our show and the horror community as a whole. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from 8 Prospect Street in Georgetown, discussing the 1977 supernatural horror film, Exorcist II, The Heretic. This film was directed by John Borman from a screenplay by William Goodhart, based on characters created by William Peter Blatty. Exorcist II The Heretic offers the next chapter in the story of Reagan McNeil from the 1973 horror classic The Exorcist, while also ambitiously attempting to widen the scope in its discussion of the ancient battle between good and evil. Despite an impeccable score, an incredible cast, a visionary filmmaker at the helm, and a sect of adamant supporters, this film failed to capture audiences or critics in the same way as its predecessor, and is widely considered not only one of the worst sequels of all time, but one of the worst films ever made. So, Exorcist II, The Heretic. What were your first impressions on the film? So, I want to I wanna take a step back real quick. This was, you said this was held as one of the worst films ever made. So many critics, so many critics. Said so that. many, okay. Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't feel that way. I almost, for me, if I don't look at this as a Exorcist sequel, which I know it is, but um, <laughs> if I just watch this as a movie, for me, this is a so bad it's good. 
Like there's shit that's funny that shouldn't be funny or there's stuff that's just like, what the, f like not, not in like you're laughing at it. Like you're laughing because it's ridiculous. It's just like shit's yeah. happening and then you get confused and it's like, oh, okay. Oh wait, no, I'm, I am still confused. I thought I had it, but I didn't have it. <laughs> and then it's like, oh shit. There was even a point like your sister can tell you, I was laughing out loud watching it. Mm -hmm. And then there was a point where myself, I was like, waiting and there i i there's a champion moment and i was like yeah you know what i mean i myself was even kind of <laughs> cheering and then i and then it's just like oh yeah uh, all right um i i'm not mad at the movie i'll be honest it's not great uh it's not good it's not okay <laughs> it's not meh it's i mean it's pretty bad you said it's so bad it's good but yeah i i don't i didn't mind it we talk a lot about how a movie will come out and everybody's like this is the best this is the scariest movie i've seen in 10 years and da 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 and then you watch it and you're like it did not live up to it mm -hmm. so for me this was kind of a reverse where all i've heard is this is the worst film of all time this is terrible i was expecting worse yeah but that is not to say that what I got was not bad. <laughs> no, it's bad. <laughs> because it is bad. <laughs> to me, I know that there is a very small uh, group of people who do like this movie. Scorsese likes this movie. I was going to talk about that. Um, Scorsese likes this movie better than the original. Get the fuck out of here. And I, and I love that for him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, all right. And he loved I the original. Do, I don't agree. <laughs> no, no, I don't agree. I feel like uh, it's kind of a mess. Um, narratively, there are things that conflict with the first film. Mm -hmm. uh, narratively, there are things that conflict with its own film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with this film. <laughs> with this film, actually. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very strange. It seems very confused. Um, and then when you add it to being the sequel to one of the greatest horror films of all time, it's, it's even more of a mess. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I will agree with you though. <laughs> there were a few moments at the end where I was like, la like, la like I had to pause it because I was fucking dying. I was cracking up and not because they wanted me to be. No. Yeah, no, Just because no. I was like, you're fucking, I, this is not happening. Um, and then, I mean, I just felt like, we'll get into it but <laughs> after a certain point i'm just like what <laughs> and real, what is this and real quick this is the first time for me watching it oh mm -hmm. me too yeah so all of us this is all of our very first time seeing this movie mm -hmm. we we really took a gamble too um i'll give you the credit t because you insisted on it yeah we really want to do you, exorcist <laughs> three and it's like you got to eat your dinner before you get to your dessert yes um so we were like, or you were like, it's Halloween. Let's just do it. And I was nervous because <laughs> of the reputation. Yeah. But I think that we're going to have some fun. I know I had fun watching it, not for any reason that they wanted me to have fun, but <laughs> I did have fun. Yeah. Um, this movie to me is a mess. It's a mess. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's not as bad as, <laughs> as everyone said. Yeah, it. no. <laughs> I, and I think that's the thing is that that the entire relationship that we've had with this film our entire lives is just that it's the worst. Yeah. And everybody in my life told me, skip this film, go straight to Exorcist 3. Yeah. And that's all I've ever done my entire life. Yeah. And so the fact that we do kind of do our best to do sequels in order on the show, mm -hmm. it is that dinner before dessert thing. Mm -hmm. And 
I honestly was very excited because I do want to see this on my own. Right. Not from what other people have said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of curiosity going into it. Oh, yeah. And especially when it's billed worst sequel of all time. Yeah. Worst film of all time. You're expecting the worst. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, that helped the film a lot. Yeah. Because I, as I'm watching it, I'm like, I don't hate this. I I, and I think you're right. I think that did play to the favor of the movie. Yeah. You know, because everybody was trashing it and that too. I That's all I heard too was just how bad it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, watching it, I think that did help it. It definitely helped it because your bar is so low that yeah. anything that's not that low, you're like, oh, I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. And we just covered an American werewolf in Paris. Yeah, yeah. that's so, um, the bar. Yeah, yeah that. <laughs> And as that's the other thing is it's it is all about expectations. Yeah. Because imagine in 1977 you hear The oh. Exorcist two. Yeah. After one of the greatest horror films ever made. Yeah, yeah. And then you go sit down in your seat and then this is what you get. So yeah, very upsetting. You you see how it can play a factor. Yeah. Um, it's not good, I don't think for me, but I I do feel an odd amount of appreciation for the ambition of it. Okay. Because they very easily could have just done The Exorcist again. Yeah. And yeah. they didn't. They went their own way. They yeah. did. There's a lot of locust-related yeah. imagery. <laughs> <laughs> Felt like I was watching a nature documentary <laughs> a few times. And we'll, we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like, I mean, when you look at certain aspects of it, the cast is great. Oh, yeah. The music is really good. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll uh, talk about it a little bit later with the production design. Mm-hmm. I even like the cinematography. Yeah. Um, now, there there are a few shots that are hilarious. <laughs> 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 and I don't think that they're meant no. to be. No. Um, I think the issue for me is the story and the focus of the story. Yeah. Okay. Because I know what I want in An Exorcist 2. Mm-hmm. I want it to be more focused on Reagan. Yeah. I want it to be more of a struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, she seemed very chill. <laughs> <laughs> she was I'm like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. yeah. It's like she went to a bad summer camp. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's just how we're dealing with this. But I, I think if you, and we'll talk later, but the way that she's introduced, like it's, it's so cavalier as if she wasn't the scariest child on the planet. I mean, if yeah. you you think about the last time that we saw her, like yes, <laughs> the, to jump from that to this, mm. it's like okay, I guess uh, good for you, yeah. dude. Because you bounce back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did kind of want to talk about the production of it. I listened to two commentary tracks and I read an article on American Film Institute website. The Exorcist came out in 73, of course, but the idea for a sequel sprouted in 1974. Okay. And this is of a time where sequels to horror movies weren't exactly the norm yet. Mm -hmm. It wasn't expected, oh, this horror film did well, well, where's part two? Yeah. Yeah. But they were already gearing up to thinking about doing it. Okay. The issue was William Friedkin and William Peter Blatty didn't want to be involved because they were actually suing Warner Brothers for profits. Oh. Why doesn't that surprise me? Yeah. Yeah. And so they get somebody else to write it. I believe in 1976, it was a playwright called William Goodhart. And his script is so well received that this is what gets Linda Blair to sign on. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll talk a little bit later. Um, But they enlist John Borman, 
who I believe was nominated for an Oscar for directing Deliverance just a few years prior. Oh. Yeah. And that explains a few casting choices. Okay. okay. But he actually was asked to direct the first Exorcist film, but he said no because he said that it was just tantamount to torturing a child for X number of hours, and that's all the film was about. And so he wanted no part of it. I disagree with that completely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's what that movie was about. <laughs> the, the, the fact that you completely missed the point of the first film, but you're like, no, I'll take a crack at the no. second. <laughs> yeah. Well, what he had said, he said that he goes the first the first film was just about pure evil. He said this film is about goodness. Is your uh, name <laughs> is your name Goodhart? <laughs> <laughs> I I was just um I mean I I understand where he's coming from because it is kind of. It is a different look at this battle between good and evil. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot, a lot of evil in that. Yes! <laughs> and so, I mean, they said that what they were trying to do, they were incorporating the theories of a Jesuit priest from France who actually, they said, was the inspiration for the character of Father Marin for William Peter Blatty. Mm. Okay. But the theories that he had, and this is where the movie kind of falls down for me a little bit, is this idea that in the future... The next step of evolution would be one human consciousness united through technology. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was going to be like those slugs, like Futurama. Uh, no. <laughs> the brain <laughs> slugs. It might have been more interesting. No. No, it's giving uh, Black Mirror. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's honestly kind of frightening. And for somebody to have that kind of a prediction that long In ago. The 70s. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh my God. Um, but you see these concepts play out and th- this is this human consciousness is where he said that the battle for good and evil would eventually take place. And so you can see this exact idea being exorcist too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you go from where we were with the exorcist, which is, I mean, when you think about it, it is talking about big ideas in this thematic battle, of course, Yeah. but it really is a straightforward horror film when you look at it on its face, mm-hmm. I feel like this is trying to take it to the next step and be very ambitious, but I don't think that they pulled the trigger. Yeah. No. And they learned that very quickly with very poor reception <laughs> Yeah, from critics, from audiences. I read that they tried to recut the film. There's like three different versions of this film. Damn. They're all massively different as well on one of the commentary tracks. He's like, and this is the, this is the part where this scene goes. And then if this isn't there, then this doesn't, I was like, Oh my God. So the what? stories are different. The stories change as far as I guess, learning as much about the characters as we do. And so, but you said we watched the longest one. We watched the, we did. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. So they had every story in yeah. that one. Uh, yeah. So we got a little bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> we got an everything pizza. No wonder we were confused. <laughs> yeah. But the thing was, is they had talked about one of the showings in Washington where it actually, on commentary, they claimed, started a riot. Oh, shit. Because of how bad the film was. <laughs> yeah. I heard William Friedkin talk about this i'm i'm assuming it no because he said it was in pasadena oh well so maybe it was too (laughs) nationwide (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i saw um a video of him he was on some panel and i guess they asked him about um exorcist 2 and he literally was stood up and was pacing well first of all because i had read quotes from him and i was like that's harsh Mm -hmm. i wrote a couple of them down all right um and these are direct quotes Worst piece of crap I've ever seen. Wow. A freaking disgrace. Mm -hmm. And he called Borman, quote, an idiot. 
so Jesus, man. i was like there's no way that this man was running around saying this oh no he was running around and say, like really? i watched him talk shit about the movie <laughs> and i mean it was he goes <laughs> because he said that they were uh cutting it or editing it or something and he was around and so yeah. they were like hey do you want to come and look at this and he was like all right so he said he went in there and watched he said a few minutes but he said and this is a quote from him some guy's riding on the back of a bumblebee or some fucking thing. <laughs> Everyone was laughing. He he's, was like, he's yeah. not wrong. No, no. He's, <laughs> he goes, I was, he left. He, he got left? mad and he was like, absolutely not. This is bullshit. And he left. Come on. So then what he said, and this sounds, <laughs> sounds like something out of like a cartoon, <laughs> but his story about the sneak preview showing in Pasadena mm -hmm. was that it was packed and that they were like turning people away at the door. Mm -hmm. So they had seats saved in the back for the Warner brothers executives. And he said, and knowing that he had beef with them, it, I'm like, <laughs> but, um, there were seats saved in the back for them or whatever. And he said that they show up in their limos and they tell the limos, we're going to be here for over two hours. Go relax, like go get something to eat, whatever. So the limos leave, they go in and they sit at the back of the theater. So he's, he said that they're there for about 10 minutes into the film. Mm -hmm. Someone stands up. <laughs> Someone stands up and yells, the people that made this piece of shit are in this room. <laughs> Oh no, Pete. Yeah. This is, I swear, I watched him tell the story. Oh, no. So they're searching. Yeah. So they find the executives oh, oh. in the back. The executives run out, but they told their limos to leave. So there's no cars for them to jump into. Stop. So the attendees leave the theater <laughs> no. and chase them down the street. All of them. Dude, and again. Even the theater workers. <laughs> When you hear a story like that, you expect like the worst thing you've ever yeah. seen. This is from William Friedkin's mouth because I was like, stop. <laughs> and he's like, and I started chasing him too. <laughs> <laughs> I came in on a helicopter. <laughs> I could not stop laughing. And then the crowd That's... was the crowd was just eating it up. That's... But he was very animated. It was really, it was really funny, but it just killed me. And I'm imagining like Benny Hill music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just as they're chasing. <laughs> Now, before we possess this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's start the synchronizer. Now, this film relies heavily on having already seen The Exorcist. If you haven't, we suggest you go watch it or go listen to episode three of our show as a refresher. So the film begins with the opening credits, red text on a black background. Amidst eerie music and the chime of bells, we get the title as a girl wails and vocalizes over the score. Exorcist 2, The Heretic. The girl is joined by a harmony of other voices before the music ceases and she lets out a guttural screech over a black screen. So, again, I was like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. Mm -hmm. And I, this is the first of many uh, tracks in this score. Yeah. But the composer was Ennio Morricone. Oh, iconic. Yes. The Thing, a, a ton of spaghetti westerns, mm -hmm. won the Academy Award for The Hateful Eight. Like, oh, nice. One of the greatest composers of all time. Mm -hmm. And so, again... It's yeah. a it's a really lovely score. Mm -hmm. I will say my only thing is that 
there are instances where I'm like, why are we playing that here? Like, yeah. what, what are you trying to make me feel? Well, I can't argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we fade in on Father Philip Lamont, played by Richard Burton, walking down a cramped hall in South America, slices of sunlight piercing through boarded up windows. So Richard Burton, mm-hmm. very prolific actor, Shakespearean actor, I think in the 50s. He was in Beckett. He was in Cleopatra. He was in Hamlet. Only some of those are Shakespeare. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he was in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, he was nominated for seven Oscars. Damn. And he was married twice to Elizabeth Taylor. That was the fact that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think I read that he was actually going through a divorce during the production of this film. Okay. The second divorce. Yeah. Yeah. And I read in some rumors is why he took this job. Oh, to pay for it. That's what I read. Was that it was very expensive. But he does a good job. And so this was like a a paycheck movie. I I bet that's expensive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I did find a few people that almost played father lamont which i thought was pretty interesting all right okay. um i actually saw that john voight had signed on but then there were scheduling conflicts so he had to drop out and that makes sense with borman deliverance okay oh okay also and i don't even know who to save for last <laughs> really david carradine was oh. one of them he was approached what? all right but also jack nicholson Wow. Which would have been <laughs> fucking wild. Yeah. This would have been a different movie. I oh even. yeah. And I think that I think that priest is evil. Yeah. <laughs> From jump, look at those eyebrows. <laughs> I think that priest might try to murder his family. And um, in a hotel in Colorado. <laughs> Christopher Walken. Oh no, man. Can no. you imagine? I would have loved that. Can you imagine? It though? would have, but it would have added to that. And this probably would have been... Just, this would have been so bad it's good on 10 if it was Christopher Walken. I think I would give it two extra points if it was Christopher Walken. <laughs> Can you imagine, though? I, I'm, I'm sad now. That's crazy. <laughs> I did read that there were original ideas of this character being Father Dyer from the first Exorcist film. Okay. That would have made so much more sense. Well, yeah. It really would have. It's unfortunate. Um, I think there were scheduling conflicts. Okay. And so that changed a, a lot. But um, we get Father Lamont. Mm-hmm. All right. Who we've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> Introducing. <laughs> yes. Like in the sitcom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but people watch Father Lamont as he passes, crossing themselves and acknowledging his presence in Spanish. At the end of the long hall is a room lit by candles filled with uncredited people. You're going to hear that a lot. <laughs> but at the center of them and being held up, held back and prayed over is Spanish girl played by Rose Portillo. She makes eye contact with Father Lamont through a strip of light across her eyes and she screeches at him, Father. Lamont just looks away, opening his Bible, but marking his page. I don't know a lot about religion, but I think this is... A father Lancaster Marin trading card? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's a rookie card because he looked really young. So yeah. <laughs> it's worth a lot. I was going to say, it's going to be worth a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> but Lamont caresses the photo, invoking Father Marin and asking him, in the valley of the shadow of death, be at my side. So I'm this already I was like, okay, okay. And then this happened. So you're praying to Marin instead of God or like what are we doing here what uh, what is I feel like it's it's almost like Lamont regards Marin as a saint okay 
okay. in an interesting way because right. we learn later as far as their relationship of like the mentor situation. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> again, we've never heard of this guy. No. Yeah. That's no. that's what I was that's why I was like, okay, so who are you? Where do you fit into this? Yeah. As of right now. Yeah. You know what I mean in the movie. But he turns to face the clearly possessed girl, entering the room as the crowd recites a prayer. Lamont wastes no time dousing the girl with holy water in the shape of the cross, and she reacts violently before coming back to herself, staring Lamont in the face and asking him why in Spanish. Was it funny to anyone else <laughs> how there was no ceremony? <laughs> no, yeah. no questions asked. Nope. Threw, like, buy me dinner for her or something. <laughs> Just threw it in her face. Well, I remember Father Mary and he gave like a whole speech yes! beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. He starts <laughs> just dousing. It's a lot, dude. <laughs> but the people surrounding her begin to ask Lamont the same question, but he silences them. In English, the girl reacts with confusion, asking why this is happening to her and remarking that she heals the sick. She screams in pain, tearing herself away from the women holding her and begins toppling over candles, then standing before them with her arms stretched out on either side. Lamont is lost in the crowd, watching helplessly as her long white dress catches fire, her fingers wriggling as she burns. Through sharp stabs of stringed instruments, Lamont screams as the girl's eyes look up to the ceiling and a wail escapes her mouth as she is completely engulfed in flames. Why isn't anybody grabbing her? She's not even using her abilities. She just slapped some candles on the floor. She walked away no, pretty easily. Yeah, like, what are you like, doing? Will somebody get her, please? Help her. What the we're, fuck? We're all in here. Yeah. Like, she's scary, dude. <laughs> I, I, I'd say, and this to me, I mean, it. I have no <laughs> I have no faith in Father Lamont's ability. No. <laughs> no. He didn't do jack shit. No. And it only, like, the faces that this man makes when... Even no, yeah. early on when he's being explained things or exploring things, it's like, I don't, you're not going to have my back. Yeah, <laughs> no. You're going to run away or yeah. <laughs> Yes. And I mean, after watching the first film, our bar is pretty high for exorcists. Yeah. yeah. And so to see him just walk in, throw some water and then just be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Was really, really disappointing. disappointing. <laughs> well, we had talked about it before, T. <laughs> um, what's his face? Father Karras was like uh, Italian stallion of the yeah. first. He was the Rocky of the first yeah. movie. Yes. And then we see this dude, so you expect the same thing. All right, this dude's going to be tough. He's going to come out. He's he's here to save our souls. Uh-huh. Oh, this fool bounced. He was, <laughs> he was like, hiding too. He's like, oh, that's fucking scary. Like, wow. Yeah. That was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's the end of the scene though, right? Yeah, that's it. Well, I have in my notes, I'm honestly not mad at any of that. Not yet. No. Lamont's, um reaction that was all pretty funny mm-hmm. but i mean as far as what we're seeing as a continuation of this demon or whatever yeah. i was like okay and it went very quickly but i think that's really my only complaint mm-hmm. they had i <laughs> <laughs> <That> was fast <laughs> they had talked about it on commentary because i was like how did they do the fire effect but they use something called pepper's ghost effect okay which is something that they use in theater where they use mirrors and kind of give the illusion that these things are happening all at once. Ah, okay, okay. So they're, and they do this a lot in this film. Right. But they're filming two things at the exact same time and with a mirror, they're connecting both scenes. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's pretty, I mean, the production of this film is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. But this does not look as bad as it would if they just tried to superimpose some flames. For sure. Because there's no visual effect here. It's literally a mirror. It looked good. It did. 
But we then cut to a small stage in New York City for what appears to be the rehearsal of a tap dancing ensemble performance. Among the cast is Reagan McNeil, played by Linda Blair. So I did watch this interview with Linda Blair that was on the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. She was very candid and very honest, and we'll get to a lot of that later. Yeah. But she said that she was hesitant to sign on to the film because she was 17 at the time, and she was preparing for veterinary school. Okay. And so that was where her focus was going to be, but she was given Goodhart's script and loved it. Okay. But the difficulty is she said that that script is not at all what they shot. Oh. <laughs> So she's in the beginning. Yes. And then not the rest. Well, because she had said no. Uh, initially a lot. Multiple okay. times. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's kind of like a bait and switch. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like purposeful, I guess. They didn't mm. mean to, but the way that it ended up. And then I read that she couldn't get out by the time that she was like, I don't like this at all. Yeah. That's it's that's just so unfair. And it, it seemed like a lot of people, it seems anyway, that were involved in the first film just washed their hands completely uh, before this movie yeah, didn't yeah. want any part of it and then that script kind of brought people back and then you're on set and they're rewriting the script on set <laughs> wouldn't but <laughs> wouldn't that tell you if you're like hey will you do this hey will you do this and they're like no 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 you give them that script and they're like okay yeah yeah don't fuck like wouldn't that tell you to not fuck with it yeah yeah one would think if it's good yeah. enough to get all these people who are adamantly against it to do it that just seems very illegal. I don't know for some reason to be like, look, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you work for two weeks and it's like, you know what? Everything, we're going to scratch that. We got a new idea. That's not what I signed on for, dude. Like, But you did sign on, yeah. right? But you did sign on. You did yeah, sign the contract, right? For that. Like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> take your mark. <laughs> right. Look at the light again. Yeah. You need cue cards. <laughs> or- look at the light again. Does, um, does that script exist anywhere, like online? Because I would be very interested in seeing. Now, I'll tell you, I couldn't find that script. I did find the, well, I think it was a script from 76. Okay. And even that script with rewrites was different from what we see as far as the order of things oh okay and i really i'll talk about it in when we get to a certain scene um later that kind of began the film Mm -hmm. and i think it would have been a much better beginning Hmm. okay but um this as we continue is probably the weirdest reintroduction of reagan mcneil (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it goes on for (laughs) 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 but as the rest of the cast exits the stage Reagan continues practicing her tap dancing, but seems very unsure of herself. This is promptly interrupted by an uncredited boy who is seated in front of the stage and holding a saxophone. He plays four notes, which Reagan answers with four taps. He then begins playing the song Lullaby of Broadway, and Reagan accompanies him joyfully with her tap dancing. I hope you guys weren't hoping for any kind of booming or blooming romance between these two kids because you're not going to get it yeah no no. in fact (laughs) you'll never see this boy (laughs) i thought this was going to be some kind of subplot yeah where she's like dating and and you know trying being a fucking teenager trying yeah Yeah. get on with your life yeah Yeah. yeah. nah no never again Uh -uh. (laughs) uh very interesting is linda blair had said that they were on set and borman just comes up to her and goes I think Reagan's a tap dancer. <laughs> oh my God. And she All goes, right. what? And he goes, I think Reagan's into tap dancing now. <laughs> and I, so she had to go take lessons. She's like, well, Linda's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the weirdest yeah. thing. And so that's why it's in the film. Okay. That is so, <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> 
And I, I wanted to look because I always wondered what made the tap shoes that sound, you know, because it's loud. Yeah. And it literally is just a piece of metal specially made to go into the <laughs> shoes. But if you tighten the screws and loosen them, it changes the pitch of the tap. So it's like tuning I it. Didn't know, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. I didn't either. I didn't know you could do that. Me neither. And it says that you can attach pieces of metal to regular shoes. Mm-hmm. The problem is tap dancing shoes are made specifically a certain way with wood sole bottoms and all kinds of stuff and the leather and everything for the tune for to be able to change the pitch on it under if you do it on regular shoes you'll get a sound but it's probably not going to be as good at all tap dancing is one of those things where i'm like how the fuck are you doing that (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's wild in all honesty i just thought that's just (laughs) this is what tap dancing shoes sound like this is why (laughs) every every shoe sounds the same i didn't know that at all well that's why that because that's the same thing i thought that's wild and i was like man she's getting it you see her dancing and she Mm -hmm. was like okay so i was like man What's making that sound? <laughs> <laughs> and good for her if she learned to do that for this. Yeah. She looked pretty comfortable. She does. And there's a scene later. You're like, you're a performer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But we cut to a children's hospital to find Dr. Jean Tuscan, played by Louise Fletcher. So Louise Fletcher, she's fresh off of her Oscar win for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. She was Nurse Ratchet. Okay. Damn. And I for, I think she is an incredible actress. Yeah. And she does a great job here. What I read was a lot of conflicting information. One source said that Louise Fletcher actually auditioned for the role of Chris McNeil in the original Exorcist. Oh. But it went to Ellen Burstyn. Okay. And then in early writings of this script, when Ellen Burstyn didn't want to come back, she was supposed to play Chris McNeil in this film. And we're the, just supposed to pretend yeah, that it's, I, yeah. Okay. But then the role of Dr. Gene Tuscan was meant for a man. They couldn't find the right person to play it. And so Louise Fletcher played that. And then another character from the first film is brought back. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, okay. That makes okay. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I see now. But then other sources say that she was never cast as Chris McNeil in this film. <laughs> and she was always <laughs> cast as Dr. Gene Tuscan. So it's like, yeah, there's so many different stories. I think a lot of people are just trying to figure out what happened. Here. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> what if maybe? <laughs> I, I don't get it. Or it could be very simply being like, Hey, she kind of looks like Ellen Burstyn. Yeah. yeah. And that's I it. bet. Yeah. 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 But Dr. Tuscan is working with Debbie, a patient played by Tiffany Kenny. Debbie nervously touches her hearing aid as Dr. Tuscan speaks into a headset, speaking her name, Debbie. She asks Debbie if she can hear her, and Debbie nods that she can as Tuscan repeats her name. Debbie starts to sound out her own name as Tuscan smiles and places a reassuring hand on her shoulder. Outside the office, Reagan arrives, greeted by Liz, a nurse played by Belinda Beatty. Belinda Beatty was also in Borman's Deliverance, Mm -hmm. but she's also, at the time, Ned Beatty's wife. Oh! So that's interesting as well. Yeah. But Liz remarks that Reagan is actually on time, which Reagan herself admits is a rare occurrence. Now, this might be a real I dig. I was going to say. Yeah. Because I think they're trying to do a little inside baseball, as they say. Yeah. Because a lot of people said that Linda Blair was late to set a lot during production. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if they're just trying to be dicks about it. She was like, well, now I got to take fucking tap dancing. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. just dump that on yeah. me. Yeah. Can they expect me, me to break. show up at 9 a.m.? <laughs> I'm tired. But Liz presses a button on her desk and a large glass door slides open, letting Reagan inside Dr. Tuscan's office. So in this shot, we see that the hospital is filled with staff and patients, but it is also very interestingly designed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Each room has large glass windows, which is odd for privacy purposes. Yes. And the lighting fixtures in the ceiling are patterned like honeycombs. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Yeah, I I figured this was some kind of uh, children's hospital. Yeah. But I don't know why the walls are all see-through. Yeah. I thought I was surprised too um how like futuristic the doors seem. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that that is kind of the theme of it especially with what we learn with what they're trying to do with technology. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if that's kind of saying this is where this, you know. But maybe. it but it's only 4 years, right? Canonically from the first film? Yes. Yeah, so it's not like let's visit Reagan in the year 2000. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't. What are we doing? Like I don't. I don't know. The seventies were wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. Um, I did want to call it the production designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy called Richard McDonald. He worked on something Wicked This Way Comes in 1983. Mm-hmm. Mm. He worked on Coming to America in 1988. Oh, yeah. and he worked on The Adams Family in '91. Oh hey. yeah, All so right. pretty versatile. Yeah, yes. but there's some work later that is kind of staggering to learn is not location. Okay. Oh. And so we'll talk a little bit later. Yeah. Coming to America is great. <laughs> <laughs> so is the Adams family. It is. <laughs> but Reagan walks around the office surveying children at play through a window. One of the kids, Sandra, played by Dana Plato, gets hit with a plush toy and lies there motionless, staring up at Reagan, which seems to really unsettle her. And yes, Dana Plato. Yeah, I was looking at you like, what? Yeah. yeah. If I'm not mistaken, she's uncredited, even though we see her quite a bit later. Yeah. And giving a great performance. What yeah. the hell? I don't know. But in walks Dr. Tuscan, who greets Reagan. She sits down in her chair, and Reagan settles into a chaise lounge, putting her feet up. Tuscan offers a very casual, what's happening? I was like, again, I'm expecting Reagan McNeil. Yeah. yeah. Who has been through a lot, but this is just so casual. Yeah. Yeah. It, it almost me feels like, is this your house or do you come and go? Or like, you're just. <laughs> She's chilling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. But when Reagan tells her not much, she asks about Reagan's dreams. But Reagan says that she isn't having any. She then sits up telling Tuscan honestly that she's just wasting the doctor's time. She reminds the doctor the only reason she comes here, to make her mom feel better. Tuscan asks her to explain, and Reagan says that her mother feels guilty, the divorce, her career, and the fact that she's away all the time. She stands up to look out of the window, and Tuscan politely requests the truth, asking Reagan if she trusts her. Reagan responds that she does trust her, but Tuscan reminds Reagan that she keeps insisting that she doesn't remember what happened in Washington, which Tuscan finds very hard to believe. Reagan, taking off her jacket, tells Tuscan that all she remembers is that she was very sick and she had nightmares. That's all. Tuscan tells Reagan that those bad dreams are still inside of her, but Reagan insists that there's nothing wrong with her. I. It's very frightening for your therapist to be saying this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're saying that you feel <laughs> great. Yeah. And she's like, those nightmares are still in there. <laughs> yeah. They're still in there. It's like, good Lord. You haven't healed yet. Yeah. It's like, I thought I was fine. It's frightening. Damn. But Tuscan directs Reagan's attention to a device, a rectangular box with circuits and a tall metal antenna at the top with two lights. Attached to a cord at the bottom is a headband of electrodes. Tuscan tells Reagan that this is the machine that they can use to put them both in a deep state of hypnosis to analyze her bad dreams together, to understand them, and to dissolve them. She tells Reagan that she wouldn't be alone with them anymore, but Reagan just stands there smirking as Tuscan asks her how she feels about this idea. 
Reagan simply offers, I don't think you're ready for it. So maybe she was right. <laughs> yeah. So you do remember. Yeah. yeah. Which becomes a big issue. Yeah. But Tuscan asks what she means by that. And Reagan reminds her that she's the doctor and asks her to explain it. Well, she does a twirl. Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, very cavalier. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Not at all. This box presents a fascinating idea, mm -hmm. but kind of, and I will say there is a motif of flashing lights that comes up that is very interesting Yeah, and reused constantly throughout the film to signify a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there is something so just not, it just doesn't fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work for me that this, <laughs> it's the box. It's just the box. They it, call it the synchronizer. Yeah. It's not... It's not a bad idea. Yeah. I think I think it's what you said and it just doesn't fit here. I think also I have issue with the fact that as the film goes on, they're not clear about the rules of this box. No, no. dude. <laughs> so <laughs> And I know it's been done in other movies and 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 I'm sure we've covered them. I'm just drawing a blank right now. But maybe this is a sprinkle of sci-fi they try to throw in there and yes. it just it's there that it doesn't belong. And that that is honestly what it feels like. Because yeah, we don't need this the synchronizer air quotes. No. You know what I no. mean? It's I mean, you flush, yeah. <laughs> you flush this out and you, I mean, it doesn't need to be demonic possession necessarily, but this no. could be an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. Yeah. This is almost the cell. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it. <laughs> don't do that. I'm just saying. What did they do uh, in the no, cell? I know, I know. You know? know, there are ways, and I'm not saying that that was perfectly executed, no. uh -huh. but that was interesting. It there was. were there are ways that this could have worked, but I feel like it's just maybe it's a big idea that w I, they didn't put enough into it, yeah, to execute it properly. I think it is the visual of it. Yeah. Okay. For me, the box and the flashing lights, perfect. We can use this yeah. for hypnotism. Yeah. yeah. It's the electrode headband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm like, this is uh, yeah. this is the too setup. much. Yeah. yeah, got that at Hobby Lobby first. Of all. <laughs> but we cut to what I learned from the screenplay is the actual Vatican. Oh shit! Yeah, really? Yeah, it's not really. They didn't film there, but he went to the Vatican after this exorcism. Oh, okay, this man is a world traveler. <laughs> yeah, he sees a lot in this film. Yeah, <laughs> let me see that passport. <laughs> But we see an ornate hallway filled with Catholic church officials, and we find Father Lamont. The cardinal, played by Paul Henreid, walks by in a white and gold robe heading into his office. So again with this cast, Paul Henreid was in Casablanca. Oh. He also directed Betty Davis in Dead Ringer. <gasps> like, it's wild. Yeah. And I just, I'm, it's, what happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like you guys had everything there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but an uncredited bishop leads Lamont through the hall after the cardinal, entering the office and introducing him. Under a large mural of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, Lamont pays his respects to the cardinal, kneeling before him, and we get a tight shot of the cardinal's emerald ring. He doesn't kiss it. No. He kind of does a swoop. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for saying that, because I was I didn't know if I was tripping or if I was like I was like, did you <laughs> no, want to kiss it? Like you're you to know, you're or? supposed to, right? It's like when you move your hand back and smooth your hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but his workers help to remove the cardinal's robe. He asks Lamont if he would care to explain his refusal to accept the task ahead of him. 
This was funny to me, them having this very serious conversation while mm. these guys are like like a pit crew taking Lara for Lara clothing. He just puts his arms up. Yeah. A lot of fabric. <laughs> like a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> but about this task, Lamont simply says that he thinks he should be relieved of all responsibilities as he's not worthy of them. And in all honesty, that was the worst exorcism I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe he's right. But the Cardinal, now standing in red garments, reminds Lamont that he isn't asking him to perform another exorcism. He's merely asking him to investigate the circumstances surrounding the death of Father Marin. He states that Lamont has performed exorcisms and he knew Father Marin, knew his teachings, and there isn't anyone more qualified for this assignment. After all the workers are on their way out, the Cardinal embraces Lamont, telling him that it's so good to see him. This was odd because he looks around as if he wanted to do this without anyone there. Yeah. But there's still people there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're leaving, but the door wasn't even closed. No. <laughs> there's, I see the back of this dude's head. Yeah. yeah. But he like embraces him like it. And it's kind of sad because it's like, I don't know if because of their, their difference in rank, mm-hmm. he's not allowed to show affection to him. I don't, I don't know. But it's clear they're old friends. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I noticed that too, but I didn't know if maybe I just was reading into it too much. Yeah. But he's under the Pope. The Cardinal, I looked up the hierarchy oh. and I was like, oh shit. So it's Pope him, then like Bishop. Oh, like right under? Yeah. I was like, oh shit. That's why he's got the fancy get up. Oh, uh, and it was. It was yeah. a fancy get I, up. I literally thought, I was like, we're being dumped too quickly into this. I was like, is that the fucking Pope walking by? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he gets to the Vatican and the Pope's just in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Well, that's why I looked it up. I was like, yeah. "There's got to be some kind of hierarchy here. Somebody's got to be more important than the other, or whatever." But it it looks like it is. It's the Pope, then the Cardinal, and the bishops and archbishops and all that. And but I was like, "Oh, so you've got a main line to the man?" Yeah, he's. You know what I mean? Yeah, but very. the Queen can move however she wants, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the horse is an L. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> But the Cardinal says that Marin's reputation is in jeopardy and that his writings have been impounded. This doesn't surprise Lamont, who understands that no one in the Catholic Church wants to hear about the devil. He says that Satan has become an embarrassment to their progressive views. All right. Yeah, I thought, okay. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Because I feel like Satan is um, kind held of. up a lot. Yeah, yeah that's the bread Not and butter. Not held up, but no, like, yeah. held up. He looks don't great. do this. Are you seeing yeah. that guy? Like that's Satan looks great. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe he's thousands of years old? <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't look a day over five hundred. <laughs> but the cardinal says that Marin was a bit more extreme. He wrote that the power of evil threatens to overthrow the power of God Himself. Lamont wonders if this heresy is what the church has chosen to nail Marin to. And as the cardinal sits down at his desk, he says that many in the theological college believe that Father Marin died at the hands of the devil during what he refers to as that American exorcism. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can confirm. I saw that. Yes. (laughs) But oddly, he says that some who are close to the Pope suggest that Marin was a Satanist at the end of his life. Where are the receipts? Yeah, I don't know. Like, where are y'all getting that from? There are literally, there is, I'm very confused because this comes up a lot. And there is a scene that is cut from the film. Do you want to know who the heretic is in Exorcist 2, the heretic? Mm. Oh my God, I never even, this is such yeah, a mess. I, I never yeah. even stopped. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a scene to where. Pre- it, is it Marin? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
Yes. <laughs> really? That's 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 because that's how the church sees him without doing the investigation on his death. But how but I I don't he was performing an exorcism and they know that. Yeah, yeah. And he literally died fighting evil. Yeah. But he's clearly evil, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense to me. But even if you look at his writings, he's saying that evil threatens good. Yeah, and the person he went to go save is still alive. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like, yeah, evil threatens good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like pumping his fist. <laughs> he was still giving evil dies tonight energy. <laughs> I don't know why he's getting this no. reputation. But yeah, he's the heretic. Okay. But after the Cardinal shares what some think of Father Marin, Lamont admits that Marin might have led them astray or took a path that no one else could follow. The Cardinal, however, shows Lamont a photo of them when they were much younger under the tutelage of Father Marin, reminding Lamont how much Marin inspired them and telling him that Christ himself was hard to follow too. Lamont, however, is not moved by this photo and just shrugs it off, saying that they were young. He says that today... Everywhere he looks is only evil, and he says that God has fallen silent. Okay, Graham has. <laughs> okay, Jacob Fuller. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you had a third, but no, I can yeah. think yeah. of another. Well, we'll cover another film that has has a crisis of faith. We haven't covered the last exorcism yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a good one. But this seems to move the cardinal from reminiscing with a friend to all business. He tells Lamont that he cannot safeguard Marin's testimony until all the facts of his last exorcism are clearly known, and he tasks Lamont with conducting the investigation. He says Lamont will act discreetly, in all confidence, reporting to him alone. In doubt and fear, Lamont barks that he is not worthy, but the cardinal doesn't budge, reminding him that he is a soldier of Christ and ordering him to make himself worthy. That's pretty harsh. But the next time that um, somebody's asking me to do something I don't want to do, I'm just going to say I'm not worthy. Because that was, that was great. <laughs> that is pretty good. It's it, really good. It puts yeah. the onus on you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, I don't want to like, do that. <laughs> I would love to. I'm, I'm simply not worthy. Yeah. I'm putting that in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. But we cut immediately to Lamont already at the hospital in New York City. This happens a lot. I don't yeah. know what airline this dude goes through. It's split. Through a window, he watches uncredited patients and staff working together in their varied treatments. A glass door slides open and Reagan steps out, wearing the clothes that we saw her in earlier. So this is the same day as before. Yeah. yeah. Once we get to that scene that I'm talking about where the film was supposed to begin, mm -hmm. I'll kind of explain the order that mm. the script laid out. Okay. That made a lot more sense. All okay. Right. But Reagan smiles at Lamont, and in his reflection in the glass, we see that this gesture is not returned. After she steps aside, Tuscan steps out of her office, introducing herself to Lamont and inviting him inside. Reagan closes the door for them and asks Liz who the priest is and what he wants. Liz claims to have no way of knowing, but Reagan correctly assumes that he's here about her. Liz very unconvincingly asks Reagan, why would you say that? I mean, like, God, Reagan, not every religious official is about you. Yeah. <laughs> Get over yourself. Again, though, she's very casual. Yeah. yeah. That's probably about me. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't the sight of him bring up emotions or be triggering or like yeah. anything? I remember <laughs> at the end of The Exorcist when Chris gives the necklace to Father Dyer. Uh-huh. She sees a priest's collar and just instinctively hugs him. Yeah. yeah. Where's Reagan? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you don't get the character. She's yeah. really busy with all the tap dancing. <laughs> and like, she's got a lot on her mind. I I guess to keep her busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in her office, Tuscan asks Lamont about Marin's coroner report, assuming that Lamont could find all the answers he needs there. But Lamont says it unfortunately sheds very little light on the circumstances of Marin's death. It's just hitting me listening to you talk. Why is he talking to her about this? She only knows about Reagan. Yeah. She wasn't there. She wasn't a friend of Chris McNeil. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But through the windows, we see the hustle and bustle of the offices outside. The many windows offering many reflections with an almost kaleidoscopic effect. It looks very interesting. Yeah, Yeah, it does. But Tuscan reaches for a switch on the wall, dimming the lights in the room, which visibly confuses Lamont, who says that he was just hoping to interview Reagan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, this to me, there there is one line that comes up later that is kind of a throwaway yeah. about him and relationships. Okay. And I feel like that is a, a theme that they were attempting to explore, but really only touched on it a couple times. Between him and the doctor? Between him and the doctor, between him being lonely, period. Right. But this moment right here, it seemed like one of them because it made me laugh out loud. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I'm just here to interview the girl. (laughs) You remember Bobby when he's like, I don't think I'm ready for this yet. (laughs) Bobby Hill. Yeah. (laughs) Just pure panic. (laughs) It is strange to me, too. I don't... Why it's taken so long for them to investigate this death when it's been four years. Yeah. And when he's talking to the Cardinal, it's like a sense of urgency. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. Maybe they've been putting it off. But it's, it's so odd because they're really, I mean, there, there are no questions. Yeah. If you look at the first film, his body doesn't disappear. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. It's it's right yeah, there. <laughs> I mean, and then you have all those witnesses in the house. Yeah. 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 I I don't know, man. I feel like Karis's death. Yes. Yeah. Is more of a mystery than I mean, not a mystery physically, but what the fuck happened in that room? Yes. That's more of something to invest to me. And mm-hmm. I will say. When we mentioned Father Karras the first time a minute ago, yeah, that was more than he gets mentioned in this film. That I don't, I don't understand. No, there's so much stuff that happens in this film that they almost attribute to Father Marin. Mm -hmm. That is Karras. (laughs) Karras did that. Yeah, and so it's just so strange to not even mention him. Yeah, they do a little like throwaway line soon uh about like the grand total of death mm. but they never mention it by Come on, name man, that's not yeah. yeah that's like a footnote <laughs> yeah like. and i will say though exorcist three exorcist three mm. yeah that's all i'll say right okay but it's like very it's just a glaring omission yeah but tuscan sits down with him saying that reagan has experienced a severe trauma which was only exacerbated by father Marin's exorcism But she says that Lamont must already know that three people died and she tells him that she believes Reagan's guilt was so great that she repressed everything that happened. She apologizes to Lamont, telling him that she can't let him question Reagan as she fears that recalling these events could result in a self-punishment and possibly suicide. Lamont recognizes the weight of Tuscan's responsibilities, the care of Reagan's soul. Tuscan disagrees, correcting Lamont that the care of Reagan's mind and body are her only responsibilities. 
Yeah, I'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. hold on. Yeah. Nobody yeah. said it. But he, he says it like everyone understands. He's like, oh, I get it, you know, because yeah. you're in control of her soul and everything. Yeah. No, no, like, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. Well, this is a place of science. Yeah. <laughs> you see how that door opened yeah, when you came yeah. in? Yeah. Sci fi as fuck. She Spot threw all these holes. Yeah. 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 We have no privacy yeah. here. <laughs> science. <laughs> transparent (laughs) (laughs) but accompanied by an eerie score and reagan's watchful eye through the window lamont asks tuscan if she realizes what she's up against evil the music here sounded very star trek i was (laughs) sci-fi yeah but it was good it did fit but it did sound a little for me a little more sci-fi and i i will agree i liked it but and it made me think because I know that he scored the thing, and I'm like, this feels more monstery. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. You know? Maybe. Yeah. Not exactly a demon. Yeah, I no. didn't get that either. I did like it, but yeah. it did feel a little like, I don't know if this should be here. And especially with the speech that he's having. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she begins to reply, "Evil is not," but is promptly interrupted by Father Lamont, his eyes unblinking. He tells her that evil is a spiritual being, alive and living, perverted and perverting, weaving its way insidiously into the very fabric of life. So again, to me, this is a very interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. This setup of science and religion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting dialogue. Weird placing of scenes aside, as I complained about already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not hating this yet. No. No. So again, I thought this was, and dude said 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what he said. I mean, the story is a bit. Yeah, much. it is. The people but... who made this <laughs> piece of <laughs> shit are in this room right now. Get so, yeah, go find them. <laughs> they get torches and pitchforks yeah, and yeah. shit. <laughs> so, so I don't know about all that, but I, I wouldn't have stormed the theater yet. No, no <laughs> not, not yet. But just then, Reagan lets herself back into Tuscan's office telling the doctor that she's changed her mind and she wants to try out her machine after all. Reagan teleports back yeah. into the office. She yeah. just fucking appeared. Yeah, and Liz was in control of the door. Yeah. She's like, no, head, go in. Yeah. <laughs> Interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> but in fact, Reagan insists that they try it now. Lamont excuses himself, apologizing to Tuscan for his intrusion, but Reagan tells him that he can stay as Tuscan somewhat reluctantly introduces them. Didn't it kind of feel like she was trying to fuck with the priest by being like, no, I don't want to do that. You're not ready for it. And then she sees the priest and she's like, no, let's do it and let's do it now and you can stay. Like, was it was that weird to anybody else? Well, I didn't it seemed under- a little devious. I mean that she was telling her doctor she didn't want to do it then and then? Yeah, and before yeah. the priest got there, oh, she's yeah, like, no. Yeah. And then she sees him and she's like, no, let's do it and let's do it now. It, it's it, like, what? Why? It felt a little odd. It was it very weird. weird. Well, I think what was strange to me is telling him that he can stay. You don't know him. At all. But this would work if we got a little hint that she does re- recognize the caller, like you said, yeah. when she gave him a hug at the end of the movie. Or oh, if, if he was were Father, Father Dyer. Dyer. Well, no, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying even if that, even if it's just, oh, she doesn't really remember anything. She remembers the caller, like you said. Yeah. yeah. So then you do, I, something about you makes me feel safe. He can stay. Like he can help. Yeah, he can help for because some reason. Because if she has repressed these feelings yeah. or built up this wall and she sees him, if it is dire and is like, okay, well, 
you know, it brings it back up. You can't repress it when you're looking at him. Yeah. yeah. Let's deal with this. Okay. Or even like you said, seeing another priest and it has triggered these emotions. You know, I was wrong. Maybe we should deal with this. But the fact that she's like, no, let's do And like, there's no emotion, no, no. nothing. I changed uh. my mind. Let's do it. It was just weird. And literally when he walked in and she already knew she was like, hey, Betty's here for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All the priests are here for yeah. me. Yeah. But Tuscan tells Reagan that they can use the machine at tomorrow's appointment and invites Father Lamont to help. Later at home, Reagan watches a television program about a man with telekinesis who demonstrates this power by bending a spoon with his mind. Sharon Spencer, played by Kitty Wynn, walks into the room, her eyes fixed on the television. And you might remember her from the first film because she was, I guess, basically Chris McNeil's assistant, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's the one that hugged her at the end and quit. Yeah, that is cool, though, that they brought her back, even though she did quit. Yeah, <laughs> and they, they explain it in a very ridiculous it yeah. is. Um, And I don't get at all what she's saying. In the movie, they're like, look, Ellen Burstyn didn't want to come back. Yeah, <laughs> We need someone from the first film. <laughs> badly, very badly to connect with Reagan. It's like, should I be seeing this? Yeah. <laughs> is that John Borman just talking <laughs> down lens at me? <laughs> <laughs> so we couldn't cut it from the phone. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> what they had mentioned on commentary was what they wanted in this film was Lee J. Cobb as Detective Kinderman again. Mm. Okay. And he was going to be taking part in what we're about to see at the doctor's office. Uh-huh. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away in 1976. Oh. oh. And so they had to kind of rewrite a lot and try to figure out how to bring in people from Reagan's past in a different way. Okay. okay. And so that's another reason why she's here. All right. But I love Detective Kinderman. Yes, oh, yeah. I was going to say, I remember us having a great time with him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when he was getting the autograph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Reagan gets Sharon's attention, telling her that she can do the telekinetic trick too. Sharon watches as Reagan holds a spoon in her hand, seemingly bending it with her mind. Sharon responds astounded, sitting down next to Reagan in amazement, but Reagan quickly reveals two spoons in her hand, which allow her to accomplish the trick. She chastises Sharon for believing everything she sees, and just as Sharon goes to tickle her, Reagan stops her and directs her attention back to the television, where the announcer says that the objective world has no reality and is merely an illusion, a projection of the mind, and we fade to black. This is important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they had talked on commentary about a lot of people missing this sentence. Yeah, yeah. But it really does play a lot into pretty much everything we're about to see. Like the Matrix? Uh, Yes. Yeah. And this, honestly, it, as well, it sets up an odd character arc for Sharon mm-hmm. that I do not get, I do not understand, and I don't really appreciate. Yeah. Neither, neither do I, because the payoff is. Not- <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. It literally yeah. makes no fucking sense. <laughs> I was like, did I fucking <laughs> did I fall asleep? It's like a missing. What did I miss? Yeah, missing reel. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But the next day in Tuscan's office, Reagan, wearing a white gown, is fitted with equipment to use the synchronizer. I guess it's tomorrow. Yeah, we're just... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So these edits, man, I felt like I was getting jabbed in the face and I didn't know how because they were... We we cut from the office when Father Lamont was there. Then we cut to them eating. Now we're back at the office and it just happens. It just cuts, cuts, like cuts, gets the scene, cuts. I was like, holy shit. It feels really like jarring and disjointed. Yeah. 
it feels like a film put together after a bad screening. Okay. No, you're right. That's yeah. exactly what Trying it is. Trying to figure out the way to present this. Yeah. Because it's weird. I yeah. got to say, too, you mentioned Reagan's outfit. Yeah. And I was like, did they say, now for this to work, make sure you dress like an angel going to a Renaissance fair? <laughs> 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 I was like, what? <laughs> what's happening? I To me, I felt like it was supposed to be symbolic. Of like okay. innocence? Yeah. yeah. And then with what we see on the opposite end. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, these are your two sides. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Reagan's a Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> but Tuscan explains that the device on Reagan's head is connected to EEG biofeedback electrodes, which picks up her brain frequency. She says that they're integrated with electric strobes to help bring the two altered states into synchronization. Liz tightens the straps as Father Lamont stands by looking very uneasy. Tuscan asks Reagan if she's ready and promises to use the machine exactly as she showed her earlier. Reagan says that she's ready, so Tuscan switches on the machine. At the top of the antenna, a bright strobe light begins to pulsate directly into Reagan's face. Tuscan directs her to look at the light, and she does, eventually appearing to slip into a more relaxed state, struggling to keep her eyes open and her vision straight. Tuscan, now sitting across from her, says that she wants Reagan to relax and make her tone go deeper. As she does, the strobe begins to slow, accompanied by a lowering tone. Liz fits Tuscan with a device like Reagan's as Father Lamont watches on. Just a couple things, because I'm sure that you're about to really go off on yes. what we were about mm-hmm. to experience here. Yes. Um, first, I was thinking how lucky they are that finally, after four years, Lamont was assigned to this the day that Reagan learned about this device. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's <laughs> cosmic. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, is there any way to get another priest assigned that doesn't look horrified all the time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude. Because every time they flash back he does him, look worried. he yeah. looks like he's about to just die of fright. Like, he looks <laughs> or so vomit, horrified. Or, or vomit. Yeah. Well, every look is, I'm not worthy. Yeah. yeah. I should not be seeing I, I told I them. I tried to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> But you, thinking about it, and you said something, and this is just the cell. Right? They <laughs> put the clots over their face. They do a countdown. They let them go to sleep. They synchronize their minds or whatever, their mm-hmm. dreams, and then they go into it. Um, yeah. You know, I felt like it was good yeah, comparison. Okay. It's accurate. Yeah. 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 But Reagan stares directly into the strobe light, unblinking. Tuscan asks Reagan if she can hear her, and in a monotone voice, she says she can. Tuscan tells her that soon she'll hear the tone of an alarm, and when she does, she'll feel fine, but will remember nothing that has happened. Reagan understands, and Tuscan wastes no time diving in. She leans forward, asking Reagan if she can remember her room in Washington. Reagan says she does, but she can't see it. Tuscan tells her to go deeper into her memory until she can see her room, and the strobe goes even slower and lower in tone, bringing Reagan deeper into her memory. Tuscan asks if she can see her room now, and Reagan responds that she can, a flash of worry registering on Lamont's face. Tuscan tells Reagan that she wants to be brought down with her, but will require Reagan's help. Reagan remembers how to help, which pleases Tuscan, who tells her that Reagan will bring her down with her, and then they will both obey the commands that Liz and Father Lamont give them. They have no training. Yeah. I was like, what? I thought it was strange yeah, uh, that it wasn't the opposite. Yeah. Yes. That it was Reagan and Lamont. Yeah. And that 
Tuscan would kind of be overseeing it. Because right. when you think about it, this is an investigation that he needs to see. Yeah. And if he's yeah. there with Reagan in her mind, he'll see it. She knows how to use the machine. Yeah. She can guide them all. It just it's so weird that Tuscan's like, I'll handle this. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Like, well, I just not, don't Well not only that, at le- at least Liz, she works there. Yeah. Yeah. This dude, he just showed up and you didn't even want to tell him anything. And then now you are doing that, and it's like, oh, you can take the reins, guy. Just, yeah. And just, he's really, really scared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you don't know him. What if he's like, and Reagan, That's what I'm saying. you're a chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what if he just, just fucks fucking around? around. <laughs> <laughs> but Tuscan then turns on the strobe light facing her, which begins at a fast pace like Reagan's did. And she asks Reagan to help bring her tone down like hers is now. Tuscan's eyes blink as Reagan stares at her taking over the commands. She asks Tuscan if she can hear her and tells her to let herself come down deeper and deeper to meet her tone. She tells her to relax, and we see Tuscan's tone and strobe light slow to match Reagan's. I thought it was funny, because I'm watching this, and she's like, Reagan, help me come down so I can be where you're at. Mm-hmm. She puts the head the headband on or the, the thing so she can sync up with her, and then it seems like um, almost immediately her <laughs> eyes roll back. And she's, like, <laughs> yeah. she's like, I, I've done this before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't need any help. Not really. <laughs> she's trying to make Reagan feel important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Liz asks Tuscan if she can see Reagan's room and she can. Liz immediately launches into questions, asking Reagan if she remembers when Father Marin came up to her. The strobes pulsating in unison. Reagan says that she does. Liz apparently was just Father Lamont's opening act because she's like, and now Father Lamont will ask the remaining questions. I was like, oh, okay. The person who's worked here forever doesn't get to do anything, but all right. She's like, I'm out. (laughs) I'm stumped. But Lamont asks Reagan to try to remember Father Marin just before he died. He asks if Marin's heart was strong, resolved, Reagan says that they're alone and he's praying. Lamont asks if Marin was in pain and Reagan says yes. He asks if Marin was casting out the unclean spirit and Reagan repeats that he is praying. But when Father Lamont asks what Reagan is doing, Tuscan begins to gasp and the strobe lights increase in tone and frequency. Liz immediately sounds the alarm to end the session, checking Tuscan's pulse and putting an ear to her heart for one second. She says <laughs> that Tuscan's heart is fibrillating and Reagan takes the device off of her head. But Liz tells her that she needs to put it back on and go back to find her. It's fibrillating. Sounds like something a robot would say. So that made me laugh. <laughs> Who says that? Um, <laughs> I mean, fibrillating is a term, but I just and I even talked to dad about this. Like there is a lot of different types of fibrillation. Yeah. Some of it is just arrhythmia where you won't hear anything at all yeah but i i feel like you would say her heart stopped yeah yeah i feel like you would you know it's fibrillating that just hit my ear hilariously i don't (laughs) it was too much so much so that i was like i gotta figure this out (laughs) i can't just let that go (laughs) but i did laugh about this as well because i was like you know reagan warned tuscan Mm -hmm. is this something that has happened before is this just how messed up reagan's memory is Right. Because I, and this is where I made the comparison because I'm like, they just left Tuscan trapped in the further. Like, yeah, they did. Completely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because it feels, again, 
maybe this is a small influence. Yeah. I don't know. James Wan and Lee Winnell like a lot of interesting horror films. They do. <laughs> yeah. And so it's possible. But Lamont, however, takes the device from Reagan saying that he knows where Tuscan is and instructs Liz to help him put it on his head. He, I heard him say, I know where she is. Help me find her. <laughs> I was like, dude, you know her? You don't know. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> that that's a lot. <laughs> So is she's stuck in Reagan's dream and he's going in to that mem or the memory and he's going back into Reagan's memory, but inside the doctor's <laughs> but Reagan's mind. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's this moment in Inception that fucking kills me when things get a little too complicated for the audience yeah. and they feed. <laughs> Elliot Page has this line where they're <laughs> oh he's like, so whose dream are we in? Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's kind of how I felt in this scene because I'm like, how the fuck are we still seeing any of this? Yeah. Yeah, because Reagan, Reagan has disconnected. Got up yeah. And gone and put her arms around <laughs> Tuscan. Yes. Yeah. So how are we even in her mind anymore? Yeah, because if I share play on the PS5 <laughs> and the internet goes out, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you might be there for a second running but that's in place. Done. Yeah, but then the game's gonna come yeah, out. You're right. yeah, yeah. That makes no <laughs> sense. Yeah. And I don't think she should have been able to just take it off and be done. Yeah. But if she did, it should have cut everything off. Yeah. Or just stuck Tuscan until she came back. Or okay. one or the other. Because that it, the fact that Lamont's like, no, I'll, I'll get her. I'll get her. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what what? I feel like it, it would make more sense if Reagan got trapped in this memory. Yeah. Okay. If well, it's, yeah. it's hers. Yes. She's actively been trying to avoid it. She's still having these nightmares. Right. They're forcing her in this strange exposure therapy yeah. to face all of these nightmares, and maybe it's too much. Okay. And she very easily was like, well, that's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she just takes it off. She's like, oh, the alarm sound. Oh, yeah. what's wrong with Dr. Tusk? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, she is fucked up. Right. Is it lunchtime again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it also, um, in my mind, because this was like. Again, I was like, okay, I'm here. Uh -huh. Like, this is not great by any means. No, it's not but... the exorcist by any means. But this is fine. This is the scene where I'm like, all right, you're starting to lose me a little bit. And so I was <laughs> laughing at it's it's fibrillating. Yeah. And then it doesn't make any sense that she's still in there and Lamont's going in after her. I'm laughing at the sentence again because it it is her it's, heart. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. fibrillating. Oh, it's fibrillating. Yeah. yeah. In my mind, I imagined him putting, <laughs> putting the the thing on his head and then immediately having a heart attack <laughs> <laughs> he's like fuck this didn't work he's like that's what happens as soon as you do this <laughs> cause that's what's <laughs> happening to Tessie yeah. this is like it's fibrillation yeah. <laughs> fuck god damn <laughs> but Reagan rushes over to Tuscan putting her hand on her heart her face filled with worry with the device on his head Liz switches his light on and guides him into a state of hypnosis Lamont starts to relax, and the strobe light follows him deeper and deeper until it matches Tuscan's. He looks over to Reagan and Tuscan, who gasps for breath, but in his mind's eye, he sees Reagan's Washington bedroom. Father Marin, played by Max von Sydow, stands at the edge of Reagan's bed, crossing himself. Reagan sits possessed and clearly not played by Linda Blair in this film. No. Yeah. I couldn't find a credit for who played her, but on commentary, they talked about two girls that played possessed Reagan in this film. Huh. They said one girl who looked like Linda Blair was a terrible actress Ooh. and one girl who looked nothing like Linda Blair, but was a fantastic actress. 
and they switched them periodically. Yeah. That's wild. Nobody that I saw looked like Linda Blair to me at all. No. And they do too many close-ups. It's yeah. too much. I know that she refused mm-hmm. to do the makeup again. Um, maybe we just don't have Possessed Dragon then. Because it was, it really takes you out of it to be like, that's yeah. not... Or That's not you. you can literally, because this is her memory, maybe it's POV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can see her arm. That would work. You know? yeah. That would work perfectly. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, because that was not, I was like, you're not breaking. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Marin barks, get the hints. But Demon Reagan clutches her chest, countering, she's mine, always. Reagan in present day can somehow see all of this and just shouts, no, don't know how she's seeing any of this. She reacts like she's seeing it. And then in a second, and what I thought was a pretty cool visual. Yes. Yeah. She seems to see nothing or Mm -hmm. realize nothing. Mm hmm. So I, I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but Demon Reagan's face is superimposed over Reagan, and she repeats, always. The demon reaches its hand forward, and through the superimposition, her hand almost reaches Reagan's, which is still placed over Tuscan's heart. Reagan shouts for Lamont to bring Tuscan back, but he just sits there unmoved and unresponsive. The demon laughs, its hand reaching into the real world and onto Tuscan's breast, interlacing fingers with Reagan as Father Marin begins to gasp for air, dropping his Bible. That was that is what I thought looked cool. Yes. Yeah. And this is another version of the Pepper's Ghost effect. Okay. Because mm. I really liked that. Like yeah. when we're seeing uh Father Lamont and then he sees what's happening yeah. behind him, but it's like uh, faded yes that looks fucking cool and that's what i'm saying is like they got some cool imagery here yeah like this is a really honestly a really cool scene mm-hmm. yeah and the technical aspects of the production yeah to do that like mm-hmm. again i'm not hating it yet no yeah. i am side-eyeing well, what's no, yeah, no. Well, visually <laughs> it is very compelling and very interesting yeah. yes but what the whatever the fuck is yeah logistically yeah that's a different story yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am side-eyed but lamont watches as Marin's face is superimposed over tuscans and they gasp for air together in a synchronized and agonized breath we see the demon's hand inside of tuscan's chest in a tight shot now devoid of makeup for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Wriggling its fingers over Tuscan's beating heart as her hand rests superimposed over Tuscan sitting in a chair. The demon squeezes its hand as Marin collapses at the foot of the bed, but its fingers still cinch around Tuscan's heart, Reagan's hands tussling to keep it from killing Tuscan too. Lamont finally mutters, In God's name and we see the demon's fingers retreat from Tuscan's heart as Reagan calls out to Father Lamont to tell Tuscan that she won't remember. Lamont does as he's told, repeating over and over that she will not remember. Liz sounds the alarm, bringing both of them out of their hypnotized state. Tuscan, having reemerged from this state of hypnosis, asks what happened as Reagan checks on her. Liz explains that her heart was fibrillating, but she doesn't know what went wrong. She tells her that Father Lamont had to go into sync to bring her out of it. Reagan says that Lamont told Tuscan not to remember, and she says that she doesn't remember when Tuscan asks her. Tuscan turns to Lamont, asking if he remembers. Frazzled, catching his breath, and clearly remembering everything, <laughs> Lamont does not answer. I 
I I know we just talked about how cool this was. Mm-hmm. The heart massaging thing. Oh my god, dude! I was laughing. All I could think <laughs> about was like, uh, you know, the meme when it's like you're trying to plug in your phone, but the demon keeps slapping it away. <laughs> yes. that's all. I, I yes. was like, this is fucking hilarious. I laughed because of just the ineptitude of the demon. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? You've never squeezed the heart to death yeah. before. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! Right? How embarrassing! <laughs> the demon's like, this doesn't yeah, usually happen. <laughs> so i do want to say very quickly before we continue on what originally opened the screenplay Mm -hmm. is the exorcism and the death of father Marin in the exorcist okay Mm. and so it starts from there and then we find father lamont in south america attempting his exorcism which fails Okay. Then he goes to the Vatican and he gets this assignment to go to America. Mm-hmm. Then we meet Reagan at breakfast watching this telekinetic television oh show. Oh my God, that makes okay. so much more sense. Then we go to her appointment the next day with Dr. Tuscan. And then Lamont arrives because there's time. It makes sense. That's the way the film began. Mm-hmm. And so it's just so strange to me the way that they've cut it. The first time we see Reagan, she's fucking tap dancing. Yeah. And it would have made a lot more sense to see her with Sharon the first time. Yeah, it would. Like, it just, it it flows better. You give more time for Lamont to get to America. You start the film with Father Marin, Mm -hmm. who is incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of start this film where the last one left off of uh, omitting Father Karras, but. Yeah, Yeah. For some reason. It just flows much better to me. Yeah, no, but, it does. but I think that Reagan's into tap dancing. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very important. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most important thing in her life. Right, right. Go yeah. take some <laughs> it hits her in the heart. <laughs> it really massages her heart. <laughs> Feverishly. <laughs> but after this experiment, Tuscan leads Reagan to another room full of other children where one uncredited girl asks Reagan to draw something for her. Reagan snags a marker joyfully, and the girl asks her to draw her a house. Instead, Reagan decides to draw her a face. <laughs> it's like, so she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Completely unaffected. Yeah. <laughs> Even if she couldn't see any of the rest of it, yeah. she was holding Dr. Tuscan while she was like having a heart attack right? yeah like maybe three to five minutes ago yeah, yeah she's like whatever <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> tap, tap, tap. <laughs> start the eyes here <laughs> she taps out of the room <laughs> it's resilient yeah. <laughs> she's a really strong girl <laughs> but tuscan returns to her office checking in on lamont who then checks in on her she tells lamont that the psychological effects of sinking with another mind can last for a while as it's very powerful it's like you didn't tell me that yeah no <laughs> there keep going because there's a lot of stuff that i feel like she should have led with okay yeah. before we started all of this lamont stands there with no response so tuscan just asks him if he saw what he wanted to see he tells her evil is gaining father Marin was killed incredulously and with a sarcastic smile tuscan asks by reagan <laughs> sure yeah. yeah how's your heart dude <laughs> yeah no shit sure. like, why, yeah. why are we all acting like i, I saw two people tussling over it <laughs> but lamont says that she didn't it did he tells her that it wasn't the mind of a child it was horrible utterly horrible and fascinating 
the fuck? Yeah. I don't know if that's the word I want to use <laughs> no. for what just happened to me, but <laughs> no. It was it reminded me of that line from Knives Out when he's like, compels me though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I say it doesn't make any yeah. damn sense. Oh, wow. Compels me though. Yeah. <laughs> Can't help it. Can't help it, man. I I did as he says that it's fascinating. We hear the uh, hum of that strobe light in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is a motif that I think is very interesting because it stays with all of them. Yeah. yeah. And there are random flashing lights that we see throughout the film that it's like, this is still with them, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But Tuscan tries to calm him down, telling him that they honestly don't know much about synchronized hypnosis yet. And what he saw could have easily been a dream or a fantasy or a hallucination. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Why wouldn't you lead with that Mm -hmm. and say, look, this is what we have. It's not a perfect science. What you're seeing might not even be real. You're here to investigate a death. Yeah. Don't you think it's pertinent to say what you're seeing might not even be real? Well, but uh, at the same time. Yeah, no, no, no. I and yeah, tell and it's me that cling to you for. <laughs> I, I was gonna say <laughs> it'll haunt you. Yeah, for a good while. <laughs> but you were fibrillating a minute ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, I, she's I like, it was probably probably a hallucination. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Two seconds ago, you were like, <laughs> 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 how, d- how dare you? Yeah. You hold all the cards. You need to share this information. Yes. And it, it was real. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, was, it, was. <laughs> it was very real. But it's just wild that she didn't warn him. And he's like, oh, my God, a demon's grabbing your heart. Yeah, she's like, oh, my God, it's probably a dream. (laughs) Calm down. What? (laughs) But Lamont counters that those are just names and that it's better to see the face than to hear the names. This stops Tuscan for a moment. But with all of her things gathered, she tells Lamont that she can't have a discussion right now. And she has to do her rounds. Lamont attempts to continue further. But Tuscan leaves, telling him that he'll have to wait until tomorrow. Until tomorrow. Yeah. Like, why can't we talk about this? Yeah. <laughs> we just experienced something wild. Yes. Yeah. We need to break this down. All right. <laughs> yeah. Like twenty. So twenty-four hours. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta okay. live with this. I gotta live with this light yeah. inside of me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. This terrible hum. It's the beating of a hideous heart. I can't. Or, I can't. or the I bumblebee can't thing you were writing uh, yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, which we'll learn. Yeah, we'll learn. Either way. <laughs> but Liz, having gathered all the drawings from the recreation room, passes Father Lamont, telling him that Reagan drew a picture of him. She passes the paper over to Lamont, and we see what appears to be David Bowie in a priest collar, <laughs> surrounded by flames, and one of his eyes blood red. It is not fun. <laughs> In my mind, he looks at it and he's like, so you like drawing fucked up pictures? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is- I'm like, why I gotta be on fire? <laughs> That's true. It's like, God damn. Lamont asks what it means, <laughs> and Liz just says, it's you. She draws well. Does he happen to have a tattoo that says monster yeah. on his forearm? <laughs> yes. I don't, I, I don't understand how Liz sees this and she's like, it's you. Yeah, yeah. clearly. There's no yeah. problems. The resemblance is uncanny. David Bowie. <laughs> it looked like David Bowie. <laughs> I did want to point out that the drawings were done by John Borman's daughter. Okay. Aww. And we see a lot of drawings later in Reagan's room and she did all of those too. Oh, That's very cute. nice. But Liz takes her seat as Lamont repeats, flames, the flames. I was like, that's a clue reference? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the side of my face. No, I was like, okay, so this is 
an hour plus from now going to be a great payoff moment. Yeah. 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 Give it some time. Give mm-hmm. it some time. Let it breathe. Yeah. Hello. We'll forget about it. Yeah. And then it'll be like, oh, shit. Just like that picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Lamont catches up to Tuscan, <laughs> showing her the drawing, telling her that the flames have gotten bigger and they have to put the fire out. I was like, gotten bigger? <laughs> this is the first mention of flames in the entire film. I understand that that lady, the, the girl in South America caught fire. Yeah. But she doesn't know that. No. No. And he the was flames like the, were the, bigger on that lady. Yes, yeah. yeah. He's like, the last time a kid drew a picture of me, there was there was just smoke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's fire. She's <laughs> like, I have no idea what she's talking about. Very concerning. <laughs> but Tuscan tells him to take it easy, saying that it's probably just post-flashing, a side effect of the hypnosis that she didn't warn him about. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But Lamont disagrees, asking for her help and saying that they might be too late. He frantically takes her down an adjacent flight of stairs and into the basement, insisting that there's a fire somewhere. Almost immediately, behind a chain-link fence, they find a cardboard box belching white smoke. When they pull it from behind the fence, flames burst from it, and as Tuscan goes to call the fire department, Lamont beats the hell out of it with a wooden crutch so much yeah there's so much i loved how the fire waited to be found before it started getting really dramatic yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i appreciated that but you just received a picture of you in flames yeah yes why would you go to the flames <laughs> <laughs> and why would you beat the fire with wood which is yes. like fire's best friend yes. yeah <laughs> he was helping it yeah he's <laughs> like oh delicious <laughs> Like, why are you doing right? This? You're not big enough. Hurry. <laughs> yeah. And all he does is make it worse. Of course. But in the box are smoldering dolls, which seems to frighten Lamont, but he continues beating up the box. Everything frightens Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> Tuscan returns after calling emergency services, and she snags a fire extinguisher, but freezes. Her eyes catch the drawing on the floor, which lays flat on the ground. Of course. But when she looks up, she sees exactly what Reagan drew. Father Lamond surrounded by flames. I, again, thought that the fire was... I th- oh, Look, I thought Reagan's drawing was Pazuzu taunting Father Lamont for his failed exorcism. Yeah. yeah. I did not think she's like, you're going to find a fire soon. Yeah. yeah. You're going to find a fire in about three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and you need to put it out. <laughs> but as the fire alarm rings... Tuscan snaps into action, spraying the extinguisher to squelch the flames, and a white cloud fills the room. She grabbed up that extinguisher and then, like you said, was just looking between him and the drawing. Yeah. yeah. She's like, I was like, move your fucking ass, <laughs> yeah. dude. It's like she was like, no, this is what's supposed to happen. Yeah. It's like, it's just as the drawing <laughs> prophesized. <laughs> Flaming globes of Sigmund. <laughs> Well, they had already waited a second anyway to grab the fire extinguisher. Yes. Yeah. Because he grabbed the crutch. Yeah. And it was like, dude, <laughs> you just passed it on the way over here. Of all your choices, you're like, now the crutch would do it. This will work. Yeah. It'll yeah. do the trick. And as she's standing there, his eyes are like, help. Yeah. <laughs> I spray it. <laughs> but we cut immediately to outside the hospital. All the evacuated patients waiting outside while the first responders take care of the fire. In the script, the fire isn't put out immediately. They actually almost die in the fire. Oh, shit. Like, they collapse to the ground and they have to be rescued by two firemen. <laughs> Jesus. <What the> fuck? <laughs> but here it's just like, All right, let's take them outside. Yeah. Like, again, weird editing. Yeah. And it really lowers the 
drama stakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, like you thought that was going to do something. We put it out with the crutch in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a small little grease fire yeah. on the stove or something. It's like, <laughs> now we got that. Okay. But as Tuscan tells the patients that it's safe for them to go back inside, Lamont sits at an ambulance getting oxygen through a mask. Tuscan kindly hands her oxygen tank back to the paramedic as well, but Lamont gets her attention. He says that Reagan warned them of the flames with her picture. He says that the contact between them came through Tuscan's machine. Tuscan says that whatever it was, it saved the children. But Lamont reiterates that it took the machine, telling Tuscan that the work she's doing is incredible, miraculous. But Tuscan belittles it, saying that the machine is simply a device to penetrate pathological states. Lamont doesn't want to hear it, though, and he attempts to convince her of the importance of her work. They walk back towards the hospital together, and Tuscan says that Lamont is really overstating the importance of it all. Meanwhile, the entire time this is happening, there is a large, bright light blinking behind Tuscan. Yeah. So it's like, you know, still with her. But Lamont breaks it down for her. He was face-to-face with the evil inside of Reagan, and Tuscan's machine has proven scientifically that there's an ancient demon locked within Reagan. He says they must fight it and help her. I don't think that that can be scientific proof when she was like, look, it could just be a dream, an old dream knocking around in there yeah. that you fell into. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. There's too many variables. But hang on, though. Hmm. Before, and as, as far as we know, before they used the machine, Reagan said she was fine. Yeah. She was tapping and she was dancing <laughs> and she was, you know what I mean? Being a kid. Yeah. Why are why are we trying to get this out if it's asleep and it's dormant or it's whatever to, and it's uh, not bothering her? According to Tuscan, it is very much alive inside and we need to dissolve it. But she seems like she's fine. Seems. Like, yeah. I mean, well, it's it's repressed trauma from a, I guess, scientific point of view. But from Lamont's religious point of view it's it's a demon yeah, yeah. so either way you got to get that thing either there's science or yeah uh, figure it out but after ushering a few more patients and a nurse back inside the hospital tuscan tells lamont that she was trying to help reagan before he came along i don't know where this what? is coming from yeah but standing near a railing overlooking water and the lights of the city lamont has a proposition let him get in sync with Reagan and Tuscan control the operation from the outside, which is what it should have been. A novel concept. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tuscan is unsure of this and Lamont understands her concerns that Reagan will suddenly remember what happened and that she'll go into shock. But Lamont says that he thinks that Reagan already remembers everything, the deaths, the possessions, the demons, and she's out there all alone trying to deal with this thing all by herself. I feel like during the first meeting, Tuscan already insinuated that Reagan remembers everything. Mm-hmm. So she's, yeah. sh- but she's reacting to it like what? Like this yeah. is brand <laughs> new information that I never once considered. Yeah, and see, I thought he was hitting on her when he was telling her how important she was, and then she was like, "Look, dude, <laughs> <laughs> chill out." Yeah. <laughs> but we cut to Reagan at home in her bed in the dark. As the camera traces tall structures outside, the sun begins to rise and we hear a demonic voice echo. Reagan. Come on, Reagan. The camera glides through the window as the voice tells her, We're going flying. 
far, far away. Reagan awakens, her mouth opening and silently gasping in pain. We suddenly see a POV shot moving through shrubbery and into an Ethiopian village. Uncredited villagers stand in silence as we peer into the window of a hut. We see the profile of a younger Father Marin looking onward, but this is intercut with the shot of a locust hovering loudly in the shrubs under the light of the rising sun. Now, if you folks like locusts... Oh, yeah, this is the yeah. thought for you, yeah. for sure. So apparently this locust that we see where it's a solitary locust, they kind of just put a locust against the blue screen mm. and just popped this <laughs> this little bastard <laughs> in anywhere they wanted. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I have later in my notes that we should... Sh- Top billing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, should have been given to that. Star of the show. Starring Locust. <laughs> Starring Locust. And then Linda Blair. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. There <laughs> you Locust go. does have more screen time, I think. Yeah. <laughs> the most screen time. Yes. And I will say that this Locust, as we learn, they talked about it on commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that confounded a lot of audiences. Yeah. But the simple symbolism of it is that this solitary locust is meant to represent Pazuzu. Right. And I feel like for me, that wasn't lost. I think I got that. I inferred it. I don't know how clear it is. I only inferred it because I know why we're here. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. It is very weird and it's very heavy on the locusts. And (laughs) 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 I guess uh, Friedkin thought was the bumblebee. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, is that on commentary they talked about, I guess, in the original Exorcist. Now, I have seen The Exorcist like a thousand times, Mm -hmm. and I remember one aspect of this, but another one, I'm like, I got to go back and check this. Yeah. But they said that whenever Father Marin uncovers the little statuette of Pazuzu, you hear a buzzing sound. Mm. Okay. And then when he's standing off in that like almost Western style standoff with the large statue of Pazuzu... Not only do you hear the buzzing sound again, but you see that the statue has four wings like a locust. Mm. Okay, okay. And then there's a scene where he fights that locust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where he punches that giant locust. <laughs> you guys remember, that was in the version you never saw. Yeah, I was going to say, I got to go back and check for that. <laughs> One thing I will say that's interesting is that Max von Sydow, he had in aged makeup that he wore in the exorcist mm-hmm. and then in this film he also wears the aged makeup in the flashback scenes to washington mm. but in these flashback scenes to when he was younger he's also wearing makeup to make him look younger <laughs> it's to me very effective yeah yes. in every iteration mm-hmm. it's very cool and for this just the choice that they made in the original to age him up yeah was so fascinating to me yeah because it's like no it's max foncito yeah. yeah. We need him <laughs> even if we're going to pretend that he's 80. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be It him. needs to happen. But Reagan lurches up in bed from this vision, surrounded by other drawings on her walls, but when she hears a man crying out in the distance, she falls back into bed. Back in the village, the villagers watch as a swarming cloud of locusts gather in the sky, raining down upon their crops. In tight shots, we watch them feed upon the crops, But young Kokumo, played by Joey Green, waves what the screenplay tells me is a bull roarer over his head as he enters the fields. This is to dispel the locusts. Uh, I've never heard or Mm -mm. seen anything like this, but it was very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Something else, this scene and all the scenes of Africa really 
they never went to Africa to film. Mm-hmm. It was filmed on a sound stage at Warner Brothers. Really? That is impressive. Yes. Okay, yeah. Because you see these shots of just the vast landscape. Yeah. yeah. The locusts swarming in. Also, the locusts, they said, are iron filings that are moved around under glass <laughs> with a magnet and superimposed. <laughs> That's brilliant. That, yeah. Because like, they move very like in an eerie way yes. yeah that's i mean that's really impressive and i never would have guessed that they were not actually outside no no not at all and that the shavings thing that's smart because because uh well what on creep show all those roaches had agents oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> think about all these locusts they all had, like, yeah baby no. trailers yeah. it was yeah. a nightmare now i will tell you later on there are a lot of real locusts yeah <laughs> and i'm sure they all had representation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But meanwhile, in present day, Reagan has left her bedroom, ascending the rooftop from what I now realize is a penthouse apartment. Mm-hmm. Her, career, her mother's career is taken well, off. Well, yeah, yeah, she's very successful. <laughs> but doves fly away as Reagan walks as if in a trance to the rooftop's edge. The boy in the village continues swinging the bull roarer as other villagers join in with their instruments and Father Marin takes photographs. Reagan stands at the edge of the building, and when a dove flutters past her, she comes back to herself, screaming, and having to maintain her balance so she doesn't fall off the edge. So, a couple things here. One, according to the American Film Institute, Mm -hmm. this apartment is actually a set that was built on top of a New York City high-rise that was owned by Warner Brothers. (laughs) They had wanted to film at an actual apartment building, but at the last minute, the apartment changed their mind. Yeah. And so they had to get permission from Warner Brothers. The rumor is that the address is 666 whatever street it's on. Of course it is. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's true at all. (laughs) (laughs) But the really like bonkers thing about this is that Linda Blair did walk to the edge of this building like this. Oh, fuck no. And it's the shot that we see of her feet almost halfway over the edge. Mm -mm. That's a stunt double. Okay. And they were held back and they were kind of filmed in a way that it wasn't as dangerous. Mm -mm. But Linda Blair did stand on the edge of this building. No. Uh, No fucking way. Absolutely Mm -mm. not. I read that, but what I read was very exaggerated. And I was like, I don't know what that's (laughs) Because it said that she did, the feet were hers, that she was half over the ledge like that and that she was so terrified that her screams were real but then you watch the movie and it's like her mouth is not matching any of those screams (laughs) so i was like "Mm." there's a lot of overdubs yeah Yeah. oh yeah (laughs) i don't know about that one but in this what they said in commentary what this is supposed to signify because they said that audiences were confused by this as well Mm -hmm. that locust that we saw in the vision is of course Pazuzu. Yeah. But what it's doing is he is hypnotizing Reagan into taking the steps of Kokumo through the fields, but for her, he's trying to lead her off the building to her death. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like you're explaining things to me that I'm like, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. I feel that, like you know so much of this doesn't make sense that you're like, okay, now Pazuzu is. It's yeah. like, no, yeah. we, we know, we that, know part. that part. Yeah. Explain the synchronizer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's where you need to start no, talking no to me. <laughs> but upon hearing Reagan's screams, Sharon rushes to check on her, but finds her bed empty. She looks out to the large rooftop balcony and finds Reagan crouching behind a stack of large metal birdhouses. Reagan stands, greeting her joyfully as if nothing happened at all. She simply tells Sharon that the doves woke her up early and she decided to feed them. Sharon tells her that she'll be going to Washington today so she won't be home when Reagan returns from school. Reagan asks inquisitively, 
Washington. But Sharon just says that she has to take care of a few things that her mother didn't do before she went on location for a shoot. She leaves hurriedly as Reagan scoops up a dove and tosses it into the air for it to take flight. So we're just fine. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to act like none of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even before she was like, ooh, ah! yeah. <laughs> But we're just going to pretend that didn't happen at all. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> but, and I did appreciate this transition a lot. Yeah. Sending the bird to take flight, and then we cut to a plane taking off. Yeah, that was cool. Pretty good. But eerie music plays as Sharon arrives in Washington. She stands underneath an umbrella, the fear of a memory in her eyes as she stares down the set of stairs outside the house in Georgetown where both Burke Dennings and Father Damien Karras, neither of whom, as we said, are mentioned in this film for some reason, mm-hmm. fell to their deaths. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, not the stairs. Yeah. Yes. Because I thought, like you said, T, something was going to happen or even a little ding, a little bell, something. Give us the score yes. for a second yeah. when you see it. Just the tiny oh, little that would have been bing, great, bing, yeah. And then just stop, and that's it. And then it's like, okay, that was it. Yeah, that's your nod. That's your look. We know we're not going to give you a proper sequel, but but this is <laughs> we what you know. Want. We know. Well, come on, <laughs> we're doing uh, our best. How far are we in now? <laughs> we're you sorry. Know, <laughs> you know that this isn't has nothing do, to do with the beginning or the first movie. Yeah, somewhat. You know what I mean? And I mean it, to bridge that gap with that would be fantastic. Yeah. And what we're about to see, honestly, is some of my favorite stuff in the film. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things when we go back to where it all yeah. started. Yeah. And I, one thing that did surprise me, they went and asked and they were going to go film in Georgetown like they did the first film. Yeah. But the suburb of Georgetown would not allow them to film this there. Really? Yeah. And so this, the set of stairs that we see and the house that we see, this again is all a constructed set in Burbank, California. Damn. Wow. I wouldn't have guessed that. No, no not at all. It looks so good. Yeah. That's the thing. How are you guys so on point with some of it and miss yeah. so much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just so strange. But up the steps walks Father Lamont, who tells Sharon that he's grateful for her coming all this way. Sharon tells him that Chris McNeil wants her to help him all she can, saying that she would do anything for Father Marin, except take a day off of filming, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But Sharon says that Chris believes that Marin gave his life for Reagan, which again, no, Damien Karras did. Yep. Father Marin did die during the exorcism, but Father fucking Karras literally beat the demon out of her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ate it. And, and then, then swan dove out the window. Yeah. 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 That's more, again, why aren't we talking about him? It's, it's yeah, we should be. so weird. But the camera peers up at the house where the events of the 1973 horror classic, The Exorcist, <laughs> <laughs> took place. Sharon asks Lamont if they plan to make Father Marin a saint, but Lamont answers cryptically, the world doesn't want any more saints. I feel like you really think you're the authority the authority on what everybody wants. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah. wants to talk about Satan. <laughs> Nobody wants a saint. Yeah, the Cardinal's like, who said that? Yeah, this yeah. is you. Yeah, we no, talk about the devil I all think... the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> he's literally he's our mortal enemy. Yeah. But he then tells her that this isn't an official <laughs> He tells her he's like, This isn't an official ve- investigation. I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. Why I not? I thought it was. <laughs> you were assigned. Yeah. yeah. By <laughs> I don't get it, it makes, at all. It makes no sense. But after the pair heads inside, Lamont asks how Marin prepared himself when he entered the house. 
Sharon doesn't answer, and instead, after walking past plastic-covered furniture, peers up the stairs, asking Lamont if the police couldn't explain Marin's death. I will say, just seeing these interiors is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You see the room where they were having the party, where Reagan came out and peed on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you you start replaying all these scenes in your mind, Mm. and they don't do the cheap sequel thing of showing you these scenes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Lamont asks if Father Marin ever named the demon, and Sharon says that he didn't, but the demon knew him. He asks how she knows that, and she says that the demon called Marin's name. And when asked, Sharon confirms that it seemed like the demon was expecting Father Marin, that it feared him. And I love, again, this is all true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then we have that visual i'm thinking in my mind of the face of the demonic reagan fading away mm-hmm. into father Marin stepping out of the cab in that iconic shot yeah mm-hmm. like again they could have showed us but they didn't yeah because they're like you remember yeah <laughs> and i didn't mind this too her re you know kind of telling him the story yeah and walking through the house slowly and whatever i didn't mind that too much and again this is what we're kind of saying where it's like there is some really good there are some really good moments yeah and ideas but then around it is just some really weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they head into an adjacent room. The entire time, Sharon looking over her shoulder as if the demon still inhabits the room upstairs. As they look outside of a window, the rain still coming down, Lamont asks if Father Marin was afraid. Instead of answering him, Sharon just says that he should see where it all happened. As they ascend the staircase, Lamont asks Reagan's condition when Father Marin arrived. Sharon replies, hideous. She recalls Reagan's face, and she says that she couldn't bear to be anywhere near her afterwards. Lamont reminds her, she's like, you're, work- you're living with her yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> you're living with her right now. But Sharon says that she stayed away for two years, two haunted years, where she went out of her mind and longed to see Reagan. But when she came back, she realized that when she's with her is the only time that she's at peace. She doesn't understand it and asks Lamont why that is. I laughed out loud at Lamont's response. He goes, well, have you talked to a psychiatrist or a, <laughs> yeah. or a priest about it? She's like, I'm doing that right now. What the hell? Yeah, she's like, mm-hmm. Looks him up trying. and down. And like, yeah. <laughs> You're a priest. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> trying to talk to a priest about it. This was very interesting. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was not enough. For what we get later on. No, not at all. Because <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> no, it, it gets wild. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I did laugh because Lamont replies to her very curtly and he goes, I'm not here for you. He does. You're a priest. Yeah. He's being honest, though. You know what? I'm starting to think that maybe you're you weren't worthy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you, you were right. You were absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he tried to tell him. He did. He's like, look, I'm a, kind of an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not helping anybody else. I'm a piece of shit. You know it. I know yeah. it. <laughs> but as Sharon walks down the stairs, Lamont asks her if she's tried praying, and she can only repeat his question sarcastically. Lamont slowly pushes the door open, sweat covering his face as he enters the room. A giant locust floats in the center of the screen, just like we saw in the Ethiopian village. Lamont, however, doesn't see this and just kneels at the foot of Reagan's plastic-covered bed. He prays for the soul of Father Marin. He prays for Sharon, who stands blurry through the doorway in the background, 
and who he says was touched by the shadow of evil. But then Lamont prays for himself, and the reason he gives is simply for myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, jot that down. Yeah. <laughs> I would have gotten rid of this bed that night. Oh, yeah. Like, I couldn't believe that this bed was still here. No. Yeah, but they they don't still live here, do they? I think they own it. Oh, okay. Well, then it doesn't matter. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. There. we're no. not going yeah. back. And no. and what the grasshopper just lives in the corner now? The or grasshopper. What? Yeah. Oh, excuse me, sir. I didn't. Yeah, know. yeah uh, this is my room now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's somebody in here. My bad. Yeah. I didn't yeah. see you up there. He's like, I have 30 days. You have to yeah. give me. <laughs> you can't just fucking come in here and tell me to leave. I will sue you. <laughs> I will say there are some really great shots in this film, and I wanted to look up the cinematographer. Mm-hmm. It was William Fraker, and in 1968, Fraker shot Rosemary's Baby. Oh! And I'm like, I feel the same language. Okay. Yeah. He also did additional photography on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. That also starred Louise Fletcher, yeah. who, who plays Dr. Tuscan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, it's just odd connections. Yeah. yeah. But I think that, again, one of the strengths is the cinematography. Yeah. But back at the hospital... Lamont watches as Tuscan reassures a patient and his father of her dedication to his treatment. She then greets Lamont, inviting him into her office. After watching this interaction, Lamont asks Tuscan if she has children, learning that she has two, a boy and a girl. She admits that she would like to spend more time with them, but along with all of her responsibilities here and the complications of being divorced, it's become quite difficult. Lamont tells her that her heart is good and she seems to manage, but Tuscan admits that it isn't easy living alone. She asks Lamont if he ever feels like he needs a woman, and Lamont admits that he does. Reagan, very casual in a hat and a summer dress, enters the <laughs> office. The way that she walks in, she literally goes, telling secrets? Yeah. I'm like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> who the fuck are you? Yeah. Like, I just don't know why her attitude bothers me so much. Because it's, it's so inconsistent. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't work for me. I I didn't I didn't know what to think either. Honestly, I was like, I don't. For me, it's just the the you're just cool. Yeah, like the, like nothing's going on. There's yeah. nothing wrong. There's These people are agonizing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's like, are y'all telling secrets? Yeah, it's like, what the hell? I just don't. I just don't get. It. I don't like it. Yeah. Also, there was some kind of energy between those two. There was. It kind mm. of felt like Reagan CB'd them a little bit. <laughs> I appreciate you. Yeah, okay. Uh, initials. The flowers, flowers, Sam, flowers. Huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes. A <Yes>. double. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say um, they talked on commentary that these are kind of the seeds of this idea of temptation. Okay. And Father Lamont. All right. Okay, well, then I have a big problem with the way that they execute that later. Yes, me too. A huge problem. Mm. Yes. And because, I mean, there's a moment later, there's a few moments later where they keep touching on this idea. Yeah. But again, it just, I don't... (laughs) I don't know this dude. <laughs> yeah. No. And you don't give me enough time to care about him to worry about anything with him, really. Yeah. His crisis of faith or his, you know, tempting towards sin. I don't give a shit. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> frankly. Frankly. <laughs> well, no, really, though. You, you're right, though. It, we, we get what? His failed exorcism at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Then him being scared for a while. Yeah. And now we're at where we're at with him right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, being rude to the yes. to lady at the house. Yes. Like, yeah. like, I don't give a shit if you're sick or not. He's like, I this need, isn't I need about to go to the room. You. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to kneel in front of this bed real yeah. quick. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I, I don't know and it's nothing against because Richard Burton does a great job yeah <laughs> I just feel like but, I just don't get enough yeah so where were we at Reagan just slid in like Kramer <laughs> <laughs> she's like hey buddy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes but we immediately cut from that to the flashing strobes of Tuscan's machine the tone of it oscillating as Reagan and Lamont are hooked up to it across from each other the strobes are out of sync, with Reagan's going much slower than Lamont's, and Tuscan asks Reagan if she remembers dreaming of Father Marin and if she can see him now. Reagan says that she can, and when Tuscan asks where he is, Reagan sees him in Ethiopia. He sits at his desk, watching a few men holding a crying baby before them, performing a ritual with music and motion. Marin's voiceover explains that it was long ago, when he was studying the holy men of Africa, when he met a young boy. We see the boy, young Kakumo, played by Joey Green. He performs a ritual, and we remember him as the boy swinging the bull roarer in the field. Marin explains that the villagers needed his help against the swarm of locusts, but he ponders if the locust swarm came because of the boy. Hmm. All right. He asks if great goodness draws evil upon itself. Again, very interesting. Yeah. It's it's interesting, but then that means that I can't do anything too good because then bad's going to come and be like, no, 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 yeah. no. Shut we, it down. We <laughs> talked about this on Emily Rose. Yeah. When they, it was like, they only picked her because she was so pure and good. It's like, well, fuck that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I'm going to steal a bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> I got to do a couple petty crimes every year. <laughs> yeah. Just so I'm Just not too to good. To keep the yeah. demons yeah. away. You got to get off of Pazuzu's radar. <laughs> you just punch some guy in the face. <laughs> like, oh my God. Right. What was that I'm sorry, for? sir. Pazuzu. I'm yeah. sorry. Dude. Oh, all yeah. right, right. All the Pazuzu punches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We all know. Yeah. We all know. We get three a year. Yeah. I understand. I'll, I get I'll, it. I'll, I'll get you back. Yeah. <laughs> right. See you in three months, buddy. <laughs> For some Pazuzu yeah. payback. <laughs> Would everybody's clock be the same or is it different? Yeah, it's a calendar. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's like it's like daylight savings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think for someone like Father Marin, in in the confines of possession films, mm. it's interesting to think of like this eternal battle. Yeah. And so if anybody too good rises up, they got to send some evil to fucking squelch that shit. And that's fascinating to me. Yeah. You know, and again, as someone who is non-religious, it's interesting to see. I, I'm just fascinated by this idea of an ancient evil uh-huh. yeah. and an ancient good and them just fucking duking it out for thousands of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but back in the office, Tuscan explains to Reagan that Father Lamont is here with her and she wants her to bring him down to her. Reagan tells Father Lamont to call her and he calls her name. As he does, we see the villagers gather outside of the field of crops in Ethiopia, the locusts raining down upon them, but after snapping photographs, Marin steps into the field. He ventures through them, and he finds Kakumo on the ground, 
his eyes white and locusts covering his body, he says plainly, I am Pazuzu. Now, <laughs> hey, Pazuzu. I don't know why demons are so fucking ridiculous with this. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell them your name. Yeah, because well, isn't that the power? That's the yeah, only power. That's what I was going to say. If we d- didn't, the Warrens tell us not to. Yeah. yeah. He's like, no, don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing at that. <laughs> Lorraine Warren fucking scratching this name into a Bible yeah. and then forgetting about it. <laughs> and Judy's like, what the hell? <laughs> you all right? Mom? Yeah. <laughs> but Lamont repeats the name, Pazuzu. The strobe lights slowly in sync. Reagan tells Lamont to call her by her dream name. Lamont repeats, Pazuzu king of the evil spirits of the air. As he repeats this, the camera glides through white fog and stone structures and chanting to find Father Marin holding the boy between crevices of rock as a foul wind swoops downward, frightening monks who stand above and on the same level as Marin. Marin begs God for strength, but one monk... L- <laughs> I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's a lot. (laughs) One monk loses his footing and falls dramatically for what feels like forever. No, we follow him all the way down. It's one of those. So long. It's one of those jokes that starts out really funny and then stops being funny and then becomes funny again. Yeah. By the time he falls to his death and he is crushed between these rocks, I'm I'm laughing. Yeah. Yeah. I felt so bad. Unbelievable. What's funny is that he's helping Marin. He has his hand under his foot. Yes. He pushes him back up and then loses his footing. And fucking fall forever. (laughs) (laughs) There's like literally eight camera angles (laughs) capturing this. It is so fucking funny. Now I will say this, and I told your sister this whole little scene and what we're fixing to watch and what's happening now. Yeah, there are a couple of parts that look very Sam Raimi shot. Fair point. And I was like, damn. I was like, that almost that reminds me of Evil Dead. That is very fair. Like the POV. Yeah, that is very fair. I for me I was just like this is really the only route to the temple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like everybody has to do this. Yeah. And if you don't you fall for 10 years. I don't yeah. think <laughs> I don't think I fully grasped that that's what it was until later. And no. I was like, "Oh yeah." yeah. <laughs> Again? Yeah. I had yeah. to look and the screenplay is how I was like, "Oh." That's wild. Yeah. But it's wild. You're right. <laughs> but Kakumo's mouth foams as his head whips from side to side and he continues to shriek. After climbing the rock, they finally reach the church filled with monks in their white garb. As they place Kakumo on an altar, Marin exclaims that they are safe here and that even Pazuzu, with all his legions, cannot transgress this holiest of places. Now, that's the other thing is that that solitary locust is Pazuzu. Yeah. But the giant swarm, that's the legion. Okay. Mm. So okay. it's just a, vis- a visual representation of what we've been hearing since the original. Yeah. yeah. Which, again, is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. But Marin whips the boy with splashes of holy water, commanding the demon to leave his body, commanding Pazuzu to the depths of hell. The monks pound wooden staffs rhythmically, and almost immediately, Kakumo shakes his head, and in a series of poorly edited match cuts, the demon, <laughs> <laughs> the demonic face of the boy returns to normal. I don't know why they shot it like that. Yeah, yeah. If you can just keep the camera stationary... But they moved it like four times. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't like it. <laughs> 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 
But the monks chase out the demon in a POV shot, as you had said, with us as the demon. Because I think this is supposed to be Lamont's view. Yeah. But Lamont says that Marin defeated Pazuzu. But through Reagan, the demon replies that Marin merely gained a little time, and that's all. Lamont says that it was because the boy was a healer that Pazuzu attacked him. He says he understands now, but Pazuzu disagrees, saying that it could claim Kakumo even now, and he promises to show Lamont his power. Through a swarm of locusts, Lamont asks Pazuzu to take him to Kakumo now. But back in the office, Reagan speaks with two voices, telling Lamont, Come, fly the teeth of the wind, share my wings. Um... Tuscan, do you think maybe we should step in a little bit? <laughs> we need to sound the alarm, dude. Yeah. <laughs> do something. No that's shit. the whole point of this thing. He's <laughs> like, well, that's not scary enough, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. We'll keep fine. it going. We'll keep it that's going. It's fine. But we ride on the back of a locust over the village as villagers run away in fear, then zebras, then bison. The camera whips through fields and streams and unstable shots as chanting overtakes us in sepia tones. Finally, we settle our sights through grass and onto a town. The villagers scream, running away from the camera as it glides through stone streets and narrow passageways, settling in on a stone house. Out steps an older Kakumo, played by James Earl Jones, who faces the demon with no fear. He opens his jaw in a roar, and after a quick flash of the roaring face of a leopard, <laughs> Lamont and Reagan stand up from their seats as Tuscan sounds the alarms. This is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Don't dream about me no more, kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, I literally, whenever the, I, sometimes writing these scripts, I, t- I take breaks. Yeah. The second I saw that leopard and fucking... <laughs> Lamont's like, oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, right, I to, yeah, I'm gonna good. go grab a coffee because this is I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to say the overhead shots that we saw were actual canyons in Arizona and Utah. Okay, oh. and so they did do some exterior photography. There is one scene that is actually just one shot that was shot in Africa. Okay, okay, but the majority of the film is sets, and you just can't tell. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah, that's really impressive. But Tuscan asks what happened, and Lamont <laughs> tells her, "Look, here's what I thought. <laughs> I thought the first thing that he was gonna say was about the exorcism he saw. Yeah, but Tuscan asks him what happened, and he goes." A leopard. <laughs> it jumped right at me. I was like, that's really? Like you well, woke up from a nightmare? That, yeah. That was brand new. <laughs> I was like, good lord. It's like I hadn't counted on that. <laughs> but he says that Kakumo is still alive and he frightened Pazuzu. Tuscan asks Reagan if she remembers anything, and Reagan asks if they were in Africa, because what she saw reminds her of something that she saw with her class at the Natural History Museum. Uneasy. Tuscan says that Reagan isn't supposed to remember anything from these sessions. And Reagan goes, I know. <laughs> Tuscan tells her that's enough for today. Wait, 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 wait. Please don't let her walk away after this. Yes! There's no stuff to talk about we here. Need to, why do you know? Yeah. Why do you see and remember? Yeah. But we just leave it here. That was it. Tuscan leads Reagan out of her office, but stops when Lamont tells her that Pazuzu showed him Kakumo. He says that he's a man now, and he's in a strange city in Africa. He says maybe he can find him, considering that he has some power over this evil. Lamont says that Reagan could help him because she recognized this place, 
but Tuscan just shrugs it off, saying Reagan only recognized it from a museum. He rushes off to ask her himself, but Tuscan stops him, taking him by the hands and says that she wants to take a look at him. Again, mm-hmm, suggestively. Yeah. It's very familiar. Mm-hmm. But out in the lobby, Reagan tries to talk to Sandra, who doesn't speak to her at first. Reagan asks her what's the matter, and when they seem to connect with each other through their eyes, Sandra tells her that she's withdrawn and that she can't talk. Reagan tells her that they're talking to each other now, and overcome with emotion, Sandra asks almost in disbelief that Reagan can hear her. She then asks Reagan what's wrong with her, and Reagan very casually says, I was possessed by a demon. (sighs) This worries Sandra, but Reagan just smiles and says, oh, it's okay, he's gone. What? I don't know. This is, this is... (laughs) And he's not gone. No. (laughs) That's number one. You are talking to this poor girl with a demon right in your belly. Yeah. (laughs) No. Like, controlling most of this. So that was a fucking lie. (laughs) Yes. But Liz leads Sandra's mother, played by Barbara Casson, out of an office, discussing future therapies that they plan to give Sandra. But as soon as Sandra sees her mother, she points to Reagan, asking if her mother knows what happened to her. Her mother's eyes widen at the fact that her daughter is talking, and she bursts into sobs when Sandra asks, Can you hear me, mother? She comforts her mother with a hug as Tuscan and Lamont rush out of the office. Tuscan asks what's going on, and Liz responds that Reagan got Sandra to talk. Sandra's mother says that she needs to take Sandra home immediately so that her father can hear her voice before she stops speaking. Tuscan scolds her for assuming Sandra will stop talking, but all the while, Lamont and Reagan make knowing eye contact with each other. After a small argument, Tuscan allows Sandra's mother to take her daughter home, asking Liz to go with them. Tuscan asks Reagan what she did, and Reagan says that all she did was talk to her. She says that Sandra was talking on the inside, and she started talking on the outside. Reagan asks if she can start helping with some of Tuscan's other patients, but Tuscan is uncertain saying it's a very dangerous thing to fool around with other people's heads. It's like, you started this. Yeah. Yeah. This was so weird because it felt like this was only added to kind of give evidence to the whole Pazuzu takes over healers thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Which, again, we were talking off mic. We know how Reagan... Captain yeah. Howdy. Yes. The Ouija board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This had nothing to do with her like healing or talking or doing anything positive. She was just fucking around. Yeah. yeah. So um, that already contradicts that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that all she did was go up to this girl and was like, what's up with you? That That's, that's it. it. If maybe she heard or we see her hear her inner monologue or uh-huh. anything. But it was the fact that she just approaches this random child and is like, hey, what's up? And yeah. then it's like, Reagan, you healed her. Like, what? It, it's it's so weirdly executed. Like this whole thing is just. I know I keep saying weird and bizarre and strange, but it is. Yeah, yeah. and I just flat out don't like it. Yeah, no. I, I think if it had to do with the machine, maybe if she like her and the other little girl connected on the machine, and then she was like, "Oh my god, can, you can hear me," and she's like, "Yeah, you're talking." Then them like, "Oh, the mind thing," but she did. She literally yeah, I mean, went up talked to her yeah she answered her back and then it was like oh so if she healed her it was by her speaking to her it had nothing to do with her mind but i'm confused as well because reagan isn't surprised by any of this no No. she's like she's like i can help all your other patients it's like you're right how are you so confident with any power yeah it makes no sense 
Who knows? <sighs> I got nothing. But Tuscan says that Sandra seems to be all right, but not to try anything like that again until she's older. Reagan agrees, but grabs her things to leave when she sees Sharon waiting outside. On her way out, she tells Tuscan not to tell Sharon anything because she'll just call her mother and worry her. Sharon is within earshot. <laughs> yeah. This entire time. That door is not that thick. <laughs> but before Reagan is left, Tuscan tells Lamont that she doesn't want to hear any of what he has to say about what just happened. Lamont scolds her, telling her that she's better than just hiding behind her science. Tuscan, who invited Lamont into all of this, tells him that she's responsible for Reagan while her mother is away and that he better stay away from her and cut it out. What? You're the one that just had him on this machine with her. Thank you. Like I don't I don't understand. The motivation. <laughs> they flip. Yeah. It with for seemingly no no reason. That it happens again later. There's another scene where somebody comes down on him and I'm like, "But what?" Yeah. yeah. But that and that's exactly my note is mm -hmm. you've been with them through all these experiments, your experiments, your machine, your yeah. sessions, your your assistant Liz helping. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. all your stuff. And now she's like security. <laughs> <laughs> we have an intruder in the building. It's like what? You stay away from her. Like, what? I don't get it. <laughs> But Lamont seizes her by the arm, telling her that they have to find the demon that's inside of Reagan, as it's preventing her from reaching her full spiritual power. Tuscan says that humans create their own demons in their mind, and calls out his obsession with this premise. Lamont vehemently denies an obsession. He admits a fascination, but he knows <laughs> the dangers, and says that Father Marin himself was afraid that he would slip into admiration. But that's how everyone who is obsessed says that they're not obsessed. I'm not obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. <laughs> but Tuscan asks, how about adulation? Before storming back into her office, she attempts to calm herself as Lamont makes his exit from the building. But sometime later at the Natural History Museum, Lamont admires all of the exhibits, stopping to gaze at one display of a jungle scene. I will say I recognized, I think this is really the Natural History Museum. Oh, oh yeah. cool. Yeah, because I remember a scene in Mad Men when Glenn and Sally Draper meet here. Yeah. And it looks exactly the same. Okay. And I was like, holy shit. Very nice. <laughs> and I don't know if they filmed there. That could mm. be a set too. <laughs> like, we use they the use set the for the too. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the trivia. <laughs> well, they did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. But into the frame walks Reagan, who somehow guessed that he would be here. Lamont shares that he's not allowed to talk to her, but Reagan just laughs off Tuscan's orders. As they walk together, Reagan asks if priests believe in ESP, and Lamont admits that some do, saying that a French priest believed that the entire planet would someday come together in telepathy into some kind of world mind. This is the priest we talked about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reagan asks when that's supposed to happen, and Lamont says that he doesn't know, but Father Marin believed that it could happen quite soon, especially with the kind of research that Dr. Tuscan is doing. But he says that if it happens before they're ready, they might find themselves pointing in the wrong direction, towards Satan. Reagan points to an exhibit that looks almost exactly like the African church on the mountain from their shared vision. Lamont recognizes it immediately, and Reagan says that that's where Father Marin fought Pazuzu. Her remembrance of Father Marin shocks Lamont, and he asks what else she remembers. 
She tells him plainly everything. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so okay. we're just going to... She's like, I'm sick of all the lies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she shares that she's afraid, and Lamont says that he wishes he could tell her not to be, but he can't. Reagan asks why Kakuma wasn't afraid of Pazuzu, and Lamont doesn't know, but he says he's going to try to figure it out. He says if he can teach him how he survived Pazuzu, he'll return and share his secrets. But back at the Vatican, under the massive crucifixion mural, Lamont attempts to get permission from the Cardinal to find and meet with Kakumo to prove beyond a doubt that Marin's exorcisms were valid. He says even more, it would prove Marin's prophecies that new men would someday rise to purge evil from the earth, and Kakumo could be one of them. He shares how he saw Kakumo in a vision and witnessed his power over evil. The Cardinal repeats Lamont's mission, to investigate the exorcisms of Father Marin, not step into his shoes. He tells Lamont that he is in dire need of prayer and suggests that he make a retreat. Lamont asks for an advance rather than a retreat, but the Cardinal attempts to reason with him, telling him that his actions will put him in open defiance of the church, and he begs him to reconsider. When Lamont doesn't reply, the Cardinal relieves him of his assignment and orders him to refrain from any further action. Sitting behind his desk, he says that they'll speak again after his retreat. This is what I don't understand. No. He's mm-hmm. out here doing what you told him to do. Yeah. When he didn't want to do it, but now that he is doing it, he's in defiance of the church? Uh, he's literally just following the evidence where it goes. That that was that's what I was going to say is is this is evidence though. This is if this if this is where he went and he studied and he was helping them and he was whatever Father Marin was doing out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? then he needs to talk to these people. He needs to get a hold of his old friends. He needs to get a hold of anyone yeah. who knows him. He he need, he does. That's what he's doing. Yeah. I, I get maybe, you know what I mean? He's scared a lot, but he's... Let the, let Lamont do whatever he's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is this is what it feels like if the Cardinal had something to do with Marin's death. Yeah. Yeah. The, and he does not at all. Yeah. It's, it's just weird. And he was saying that he was the right man for the job and all that earlier. Yeah. So that's but don't do it too well. Yeah. Now. Yeah. You're getting too close. <laughs> <laughs> but on the rooftop of her apartment, Reagan stares out into the city, accompanied by the score. The song that plays here, I recognized it because Morricone referenced it in his own work when he scored The Hateful Eight. Oh. So this song in Exorcist 2 is in The Hateful Eight. Really? That's yeah. great. It's kind of wild. And it even it says Reagan's theme. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And it works. That's cool. But meanwhile, Father Lamont climbs the same treacherous rock in Africa that Father Marin ascended with a possessed Kakumo years prior. It's like all these years is still the only way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apple Maps just a shrug emoji. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was surprised that it was him. Yeah. yeah. When we finally like zoom in and see, I was like, is that Lamont? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a group of uncredited monks help Lamont reach the top. Locals rest in a small pool carved out of stone, while others bake bread and tend to their animals. Inside the temple, a service of chants, song, and worship is in full swing. Lamont makes his way through a crowd, eyeing the painted ceilings, a curtain with a face drawn on it, and marveling at everything he's witnessing. The crowd seems overtaken by a spirit, some people speaking in tongues as they move violently to the rhythms. 
Behind the curtain, men gather, and we see that the bread baked earlier is brought into the temple in the shape of a person. This is supposed to be the baby Jesus. Oh. The bread? Yes. All right. At least that's what I learned on commentary. Mm, (laughs) (laughs) But a religious leader raises it in front of him and chants over it before raising a chalice over a book of scripture under the light of candles. This is the abbot played by Ken Renard. Okay, so like uh, the lady was in the nun for that oh, church yeah. there. Like oh, the abbot. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and he isn't scary as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> See? So. That's not how they normally yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> but when the abbot makes his way through the curtain chanting, everyone kneels before him, including Father Lamont. The worshipers line up to drink from the chalice and Lamont forces his way to the front to be the second one to drink from it. He recounts his sins as he is blessed, disobedience, and pride. But he immediately defends himself, excusing his disobedience. (laughs) 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 Because it's in response to the evil that overwhelms us all. So there's a reason. Yeah. But it just made me laugh that he's confessing. He's like, now I got a reason for it. (laughs) Then that um, defense sounded mighty prideful to me. Yeah, it did. (laughs) But he eats a piece of the bread and drinks from the chalice. That was a deep drink. That's for everybody in the room, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is this a bottomless chalice? Because no. like, <laughs> even the first dude, I was like, that's too much. Yeah, yeah. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but back at the apartment, Tuscan arrives and is greeted by Sharon, who tells her that Reagan is out on the roof. She says that she's always there. Which is not true. No. She's either tap dancing or... She was there once. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And every other time we've seen her in the office. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. More than that. Yeah. (laughs) Just, I don't know. Or the museum. She goes around. But just before Tuscan steps outside, Sharon looks off despondent, telling her that they can't lock Reagan up. Why would they? See, I feel like we missed like three scenes or something. The last time we saw Reagan, she's demonstrating powers Mm -hmm. with joy. Yeah. And then now they're like, you can't take her away. It's like, for (laughs) what? Why would I? (laughs) What has she done? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know? She she was healed. She said she wanted to heal people. Yeah. 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 Like, "Mm -mm, lock her up. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Can't have that. But Tuscan passes the shining metal walls of the rooftop, which I'm sure were absolute hell to shoot around. Yeah. But she finds Reagan standing with her hands on the railing at the edge of the rooftop. Tuscan reaches a hand to Reagan's arm, but she speaks first before Tuscan makes contact, telling her that she wishes that she would help Father Lamont. When Tuscan says that she doesn't know how, Reagan insists that she does. She says they can go into sync and try to reach him. Tuscan is confused, considering Lamont is in Africa, but Reagan says that when you're in sync, it doesn't matter where you are. Why is Reagan explaining Tuscan's machine to her? Literally. And again, why wasn't this established already? (laughs) Because it's my understanding they had to go back in. Yeah. They needed to be hooked up together. Mm -hmm. To Reagan's dismay, however, Tuscan says that she can't do this and that she has to do what she thinks is best for Reagan. Back in Africa, Lamont asks one of the monks, played by Fasea Dimitros, if anyone here could remember Father Marin, and the monk recommends speaking to the abbot. They walk over to the abbot, who does remember Father Marin, and through the monk's translations, abbot says that Marin came here with a young boy, but there was an accident, a devil wind that caused the monk to fall to his death. 
Which we all saw vividly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they peer down the cliff of rock, and Lamont remembers the monk's death from his vision, climbing down to show them where the monk died. <laughs> it's like, what if he was like, it was just like this. <laughs> yeah. <No! laughs> I was like, why are you doing yeah, that? Yeah, don't do that. Like, oh, don't so it's between that. those yeah. rocks. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, okay, he caught the wind there, and yes. <laughs> But the monk climbs down with him, and the abbot is lowered with them in a chair. Back in New York City, dressed in a tuxedo along with her troupe, Reagan tap dances on stage below pink lights and in front of glittering backdrops of a cityscape. Sharon watches from the audience, clearly supposed to be Chris McNeil, but it's all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But Reagan is beaming, staying in step with the other kids and in tune with the music. But in Africa... Lamont leads the group down past a painted rock, climbing the rough terrain, where crushed between two rocks is the skeleton of the fallen monk. Lamont explains that the monk was killed by Pazuzu, a very powerful demon. The men, including the abbot, repeat the name in confusion, and Lamont tells him that he flew with Pazuzu in a trance, which I'm sure will clear things right up. (laughs) He says that he was under hypnosis when it happened, but this causes all the men to retreat with the abbot. Of course it does. <laughs> yeah. How, Why would you say that to how anyone? How would you react if we were like, Satan, I was in a trance with yeah. him and he flew me like, somewhere. Like that's a relatable thing to say. Yeah. yeah. You know when you're being hypnotized and you're like flying around with a demon? <laughs> no. No, yeah, not at all. I don't. I, <laughs> the demon that killed your friend. That one right yeah. there. Like, <laughs> the guy I found for you. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, what? he keeps doing this. He's like, oh, I flew on the wings of a demon. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? Shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> But Lamont tries to push past them to get the abbot's attention, but he's held back and told that the abbot will not speak to a devil worshiper. Lamont tells them that he isn't a devil worshiper, but they literally leave him in the dust. Suddenly, though, a group of men turn around and begin to chant Pazuzu at him before pelting him with stones. (coughs) One hits him in the skull and somehow, Reagan feels it in New York City, but she does her best not to let it break her stride. <laughs> She's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they turned on his ass quick. Oh, they did? did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was helping her some shit over there. I Well, he, suppo- well, he, I, he made one mistake. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't understand because this is not like some cosmic like ethereal connection he is physically being attacked yeah i yeah. don't understand how reagan is feeling this no me neither well the what she said mm. when she's like well you're connected Mm-mm. through the machine for 50 days or something it's all in the yeah. terms and yeah. services. <laughs> it's a warranty or whatever <laughs> but as lamont runs for his life reagan's performance becomes a little avant-garde in new york city <laughs> Lamont makes it to a car, driving as fast as he can as the stones of the villagers break his windows. Reagan, however, tumbles from the stage, thrashing violently on the ground as Sharon and members of the crowd try to hold her down. We cut to Reagan lying down backstage, the auditorium cleared of attendants and performers. Tuscan and Sharon stand over her, Tuscan readying a sedative with a needle. Reagan begs her not to drug her, as it will stop her from dreaming, and she says that Lamont needs her to find him, but Tuscan says that she'll be fine and injects her anyway. 
As Reagan drifts off to sleep, she says that Tuscan is trying to kill her soul. That is a lot. Damn. Tuscan tosses the syringe, clearly frustrated and at her wits' end. She's like, I am trying to kill her soul. <laughs> <laughs> How did Damn she know she that? <laughs> right? You only care about my mind and body. <laughs> <laughs> Back in Ethiopia, Lamont speaks in French to an uncredited nun, attempting to find Kakumo's village that he saw in his vision. The nun doesn't seem to know, but outside, a small plane lands on the beach, and nuns swarm Edwards, a pilot played by Ned Beatty, who carries a large wooden crucifix inside the building. He played Dan's dad on Roseanne. Yes, he did. <laughs> they had a very strange relationship. <laughs> oh, they did. You know what's wild? <laughs> they mentioned that on the commentary. Really? What? Yeah. They said he was- That in... was for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I wrote a note for them. To... Yeah. <laughs> you slid it to them. Don't forget his most important credit, I said. <laughs> yeah, not deliverance. No. Dan, Dan's father. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did they say? Just that he played his dad? Yeah. They, they, oh. <laughs> they said, I was like leaned forward. They said, you probably remember him from Borman's Deliverance. And he also played, and they didn't say Dan's father. <laughs> senior Connor. Yeah. yeah. They just said he was on Roseanne. Yeah. It was Ed. Ed. Oh. All right. You know? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Ecumenical Ed <Yeah>. Connor. Yes. <laughs> but the nuns are overjoyed. And the nun who is speaking to Lamont relays his query in French to Edwards. Edwards recognizes these descriptions as a place called Jepti. He says that he knows every holy place in Africa because religion is his business. I was like, all right, I don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> and nor will we get to know him. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that is when he calls himself ecumenical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the two men introduce themselves to each other. Father Lamont saying that he's an archaeologist, but Edwards clearly seeing him... And knowing he's a priest. Yeah. yeah. This is interesting because I think that Marin was an archaeologist as well. Okay. As was the French priest that Marin was based on. Oh. Ah. So I don't know if he used... It tracks. Yeah. yeah. But we cut to Edward's plane high above the African terrain, a beautiful shot of rolling hills. This That shot is actually shot in Africa. Oh, wow. Oh, all right. And that's the only one. But inside the plane, Lamont notices two other planes dispensing a cloud over the fields. Edwards explains that they're spraying for locusts and that they're on the traditional route of the plague. Lamont tells Edwards that he's flown this route before. <laughs> and when Edwards asks him when, Lamont very reluctantly tells him that it <laughs> was on the wings of a demon. <laughs> you got to stop telling people that. Yeah. <laughs> that is a wild <laughs> thing to say. Just say American Airlines or something. Yeah, you dude, don't even come yeah, on. Just, uh, stop fucking <laughs> telling people that. Edwards just laughs. He's like, I've tried LSD before. Yeah. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but his windshield is spattered with DDT. But when he wipes it, Lamont sees a very familiar town just off in the distance. Lamont walks the streets of the town through narrow passageways, past town folk and families enjoying their dinners. Once he reaches the home that he saw in his vision, he asks a nearby policeman if he knows a man named Kakumo. The policeman responds in French in the negative, so Lamont thanks him and walks away. But the policeman walks closer to the camera and just repeats the name, Kakumo. I don't get it. Mm -mm. Yeah. I don't think we ever see him again. No. And is he safe here? He was pissing everybody off the last place he was at. Yeah, I, he needs to chill. 
Maybe word hasn't traveled to this town yeah, yet. No. <laughs> like, this is the guy that wrote <laughs> The Wings yeah. of the Demon. <laughs> oh, is that Get the demon guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the producers at the theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody wrote a demon <laughs> over here. Yeah. Like, He's in this town. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> but back at the hospital, Reagan is now resting in bed in her own room under the light of a bright light and the care of Dr. Tuscan. Is she a medical doctor is this a i don't know i don't know yeah. what this place is but i really was hoping that reagan was in like a hospital yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like um because this seems like a mental health facility i thought right? she was a psychiatrist yeah. yeah i she had a physical like what could that have looked like a seizure or something during her performance oh yeah i mean from the outside we know what was happening but what would that look like you would yeah. call an ambulance i, I would think i think what's wild to me is that she wasn't sedated in the hospital she no was sedated you're right no. backstage her- yeah <laughs> and then they take her here i don't get it at all they're like look we need really we need to keep this in house yeah <laughs> we're fucking with a lot of experimental shit <laughs> we can't let anyone we know about yeah. this <laughs> <laughs> they do an x-ray at a real hospital they're like is there a demon yeah. <laughs> is that a fucking demon in her belly dude <laughs> look we're we're getting another we got a guy in africa we're we're working on it tell okay? me you're seeing this yeah. <laughs> right now you need it with some antibiotics oh, what yeah. the fuck clears that demon right up <laughs> You were shining a light in her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but after checking on her, Tuscan dims the light in Reagan's room, which seems to turn on all the lights outside of her room through the glass windows. Counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. But we immediately go back to Africa, and it's at night now, and Lamont sees a man that he thinks he recognizes as Kakumo, but is stopped by a large group of men. They ask the name kokumo in confusion and then repeat it again as if they understand directing father lamont down another path at the top of a staircase a woman steps out topless with a smile on her face a man stepping out with her and directing lamont's attention to her features and her body the men gathered around lamont laugh as he backs away heading back in the direction he came in what what was this yeah. On commentary, they said this was supposed to be another moment of the temptation of Father Lamont. Oh my God! Fuck off, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I know. What? Yeah, I was confused. <laughs> that was but... an inside thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> that became an outside. <laughs> <laughs> it accidentally became an outside thought. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't like it. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. I no. don't like it. My note is: Why did you bring him here? Yeah, because like, I, I was. Like, they what? told him to go there. Yeah. And so it was like they were making fun of him yeah so i don't i mean i don't that's that is ridiculous to me that does not i don't like that um but it was funny to me because at the beginning of the scene he's wandering around just yelling his name out like he's a puppy like he's a lost puppy i'm like why aren't you stopping people and asking yeah it's a big town yeah Yeah. (laughs) imagine going through town just like yelling yeah like that just doesn't even make any sense ridiculous But back at the hospital, there's too much back and forth. <laughs> I gotta admit. It felt like um, on The Simpsons when Homer was like, no, I'm in Australia. No, I'm in America. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone needs to punch this film in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Reagan wakes up and removes the IV from her arm. Back in Africa. <laughs> sun rises on a new morning in the town as Father Lamont continues onward through the streets. But he suddenly stops in his tracks, looking off screen and muttering to God that he must find Kakumo, 
saying that he has resisted and has not called upon Pazuzu. I'm like, Dude, that was an option. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, because I fucking laughed out loud. Keep going. <laughs> but he asks God for help, and we see a light blinking in Reagan's face in her bed as she tells Father Lamont to call her by her dream name. Lamont continues down his path, doing exactly that, calling out to Pazuzu, prince of the evil spirits of the air, as eerie music mounts. He's like, God, I didn't call Pazuzu. I resisted. Yeah. Hey, Pazuzu. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's a call on the other line. Oh, Pazuzu. These two, yeah. these two thoughts, these two sentences should not have been back to back. No. Because that was hilarious. Yes. Show him when he first gets to Africa, maybe. Yeah. Or after they attack him or whatever, saying, look, I'm I'm trying to do this. I'm lost. God help me, whatever. And then maybe in his desperation, because uh, he saw some titties that blew his mind or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> then Pazuzu. But the fact that he's like, no, I didn't do it. Now I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> back to back. <laughs> killed me that's hilarious i think he backed away more fearfully from that staircase than when he saw fucking father Marin <laughs> dying <laughs> in a vision like i just don't i don't like any of it it's uh, i i yeah i don't yeah. like that at all but he asks pazuzu to take him to kakumo and he and reagan repeat the name over and over as lamont stumbles upon the same exact house he went to before that he saw in his vision that policeman's a fucking liar yeah. I don't know why. Huh, yeah. you're right. It makes no sense. I don't I don't know. Was that policeman? <laughs> Just a bunch of locusts in a <laughs> <laughs> Just ten thousand locusts yeah. <laughs> in a uniform. <laughs> but Lamont enters the dwelling, walking through small hallways until he finds a man sitting in a chair dressed in pelts and clearly of high status and regard. Lamont calls out to him in the name of Father Lancaster Marin. Kakumo raises his head, his face scarred and painted, and we see that his head covering is in the shape of a locust. So you're the locust? Yeah. See, that's confusing. <laughs> that should have yeah. gotten top billing? Because <laughs> I thought the locust was Pazuzu. Yeah, but maybe he's like, I'm wearing your skin, you piece of Come shit. Come on, man. <laughs> like it's, it's, like a, it's demoralizing for Pazuzu to see. All right. <laughs> so- <laughs> Maybe that's why he has power over him. He's like, oh, man. Like, is that a rug of me? Yeah, that's oh, upsetting. Man. That's distressing. That is in such poor taste. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go haunt a girl in Washington. <laughs> but he asks Lamont how he found him. And Lamont explains that he saw him in the mind of a girl who was possessed by Pazuzu. Kakumo says that she's still in danger of dreams. But when Lamont asks how he can help, Kakumo poses a question asking which girl he wants to help, the one possessed by Pazuzu or the one held by Father Marin. He says Lamont must pluck out her evil heart, but Pazuzu brushed Lamont with his wings when he called upon him (laughs) to find Kakumo. So literally, you asked for the help of a demon and now you're fucked. Yeah. Well, that's why you don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Didn't even let it ring twice with God. No. He's like, fuck this. (laughs) They embarrassed me. (laughs) He just switched over lines. Yeah, it's crazy. He didn't even hang up. Hold, please. Yeah. Yeah. Pazuzu always answers. Kakumo says that Lamont has lost his faith in God and he doesn't believe. Lamont insists that he does believe and that he would do anything to help Reagan. Kakumo tells him to prove it and tells him to cross over a path of nails on the floor that I don't remember seeing before. Nope. Yeah. And I don't remember seeing that Father Lamont was barefoot either. Nope. Yeah. But he is now. 
but he proclaims his faith for Jesus Christ reborn, and Kakumo tells him to prove it and step out of his despair. It's like, damn, dude, you don't have like a zip line or something? <laughs> yeah, a rope I can climb. A drawbridge. Something. Do you know how bad that's going to yeah. be? Yeah. You're telling me to step out of despair, but I'm stepping it's into tr- it. <laughs> Like, that's not close enough I can hop over. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think this is going to work. But he promises that if Pazuzu comes for Lamont, he will spit a leopard. He opens his mouth, spitting out a cherry tomato. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> it feels like one of those things where I'm like, am I too dumb? To <laughs> <laughs> like, that's to my lunch. Yeah. <laughs> that's your lunch? Yeah, <laughs> You're going to need the yeah, strength. <laughs> But the tomato lands in a small puddle of water around the nails. The music mounts as Lamont eyes the nails and slowly steps forward, Kakumo bowing his head to him. Lamont presses his foot down, the nails stabbing through it and sticking out of the top of it. He crashes down in slow motion, readying for an impact with the nails. But then he wakes up on a smooth floor, and he hears a man's voice asking politely, Can I help you? He looks up to see Kakumo, dressed in a white coat and a tie and wearing glasses. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? Also, I do want to say that his foot looked really cool. It did. Yeah. That looked, looked really, really good. good. But I was so confused. I guess. I mean, was this like a test of his faith? I mean, because he, he failed. Yes, he did. Yeah. So, I mean. I don't. I don't. But was this real? Did. I mean, I don't. I don't know either because he's just literally at a laboratory. He yeah. crashes into a laboratory. <laughs> yeah. Like he's in there. It's not like he was at the front door. Yeah. And you could have thought like maybe he was like having a vision or something and he found his way. Mm. He's inside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know. Do you want me to keep going? Please. Yeah. <laughs> but Lamont says that he failed. But Kakumo says that the heat probably just got to him. And to Lamont's surprise, he introduces himself as Kakumo. Lamont asks if he ever knew Father Lancaster Marin, and Kakumo says that he did when he was young in Ethiopia, calling him a wonderful man. Lamont shares that Marin died while exercising the demon Pazuzu from a young girl, and he asks if Kakumo was ever... And Kakumo just laughs, and he asks, Possessed by Pazuzu? He says that his mother tells him that he was when he was younger. Kakumo leads Lamont into a laboratory filled with scientists, and he directs his attention to large cases of locusts. Kakumo explains that this is one of the main control stations in equatorial Africa, and says that the key factor of the locusts is the brushing of the wings. He says that when it's dry, they go their own way, happy-go-lucky, but when there is a heavy rain, the locusts crowd together so that their wings brush against each other. As he bats them away from their netted cage walls, Kakumo says that the agitation transforms them. We get tight shots of the locusts in their various forms and different stages of life. Kakumo says that most importantly, the brushing of the wings changes their personality and they become a destructive, voracious, marauding swarm with a single mind. A locust mind, he says. This feels like commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Collective agitation transforming docile creatures into a swarm with one destructive mind. Yeah. I mean, and I was like, damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, people were so mad at the locusts. Yeah, yeah. but I, I'm, uh, but I mean, I'm uh, Nicole. I'm still like, man, is this about bugs? 
again like, yeah right. this, this is, is when i was like are we in did i fall asleep and wake up on a nature documentary because <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of locust close-ups yeah <laughs> they and again prominent billing yeah. yes but he says the evil swarm sweeps relentlessly over the earth possessing all that it touches evil breeding evil by contact i was like is this science or not yeah <laughs> like i thought you were evil <laughs> lamont asks if there is no hope once the wings have brushed you he's like i'm asking for a friend <laughs> no reason but like <laughs> but if it brushes you while you're like fucking scared does it matter can you get rid of it anyway Right, if I ask for a favor from a demon, yeah. I don't got to repay it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to repay yeah. it. Should I not have done that? I mean, my friend, should my yeah. friend not have done that? But Kakumo directs his attention over to another case with a female locust that he plucks from the wall. He says she has been bred to resist the brushing of the wings. They like to call her the good locust. <laughs> I mean, at, okay. least, at least they got real creative with the name. Right. <laughs> or Reagan, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. <laughs> he says that her children will be their agents in the swarm, calming the others and breaking the chain reaction, remaining forever happy-go-lucky grasshoppers. He prays that they'll succeed, and Lamont chokes out the good locust. <laughs> <laughs> and the screen just gives way to more locusts and that's it yeah, yeah that's all that's the scene folks that's all. Mm-hmm. and isn't that a wrap on kakuma as well oh yeah he's done yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah we got all we needed for at the beginning seeing james earl jones uh-huh the yeah. name yeah that's what i get yeah that's it oh i mean all right i guess sure a scene and a half yeah mm-hmm. i learned a little bit about locusts <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but back at the hospital Reagan steps out of bed, creeping toward the closet undetected to get dressed. As Lamont's plane arrives back in America, Reagan tries to sneak past the uncredited nurse at the front desk. When she asks Reagan where she thinks she's going, Reagan just replies, it's okay, and leaves. The nurse doesn't do anything. It was fine. Yeah. 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 It It was was okay. It was okay. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed out loud. (laughs) And she knew her by name. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what are you carrying there? Nothing. Yeah, nothing at all. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Reagan doesn't lie. Yeah. So. This Del Almo shopping bag yeah. from, <laughs> from Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but Reagan steps out into the city with the shopping bag, the bright sun blinding her for a moment before continuing onward. And again, this could be the motif of the light. Yeah. Mm. But at home, Tuscan plays with her two children, played by Shane Butterworth and Jolie Adams, in the bath as the phone rings incessantly in the background. After she ignores the call, we hear the phone ringing at Reagan's home, Sharon answering it immediately. She responds distraught. When? And? Does Dr. Tuscan know? But when the doorbell buzzes, she puts down the phone to answer it, thinking it could be Reagan. Instead, Father Lamont stands there in a jacket and a shirt that I don't know if he should be wearing. (laughs) (laughs) Is this when he's Johnny Cash all of a sudden? Yeah, I don't know (laughs) what is going on here. I'm surprised that he was able to see the blasting nips and keep himself under control. (laughs) And he didn't run away. Yeah. (laughs) 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 It is really funny to me, though, that presumably that nurse 
yeah is making these calls yeah because she just let reagan leave and then she's like oh fuck i probably, <laughs> <laughs> I probably fucked up i'm gonna get fired <laughs> at least i can try to do damage control yeah. <laughs> dr tuscan i don't know how she just snuck past yeah, it's crazy. she hit me in the head with a, a shopping bag yeah <laughs> she had a bag i don't know what it was <laughs> i just woke up and called you immediately <laughs> she threatened my life i'm sorry doctor but sharon chastises lamont for stirring things up in reagan telling him that she's run away from the hospital and they have no idea where she could be. Lamont says that he has to see her and promises that he can help, but Sharon just screams at him with tears in her eyes for him to leave them alone. She says that they don't want to hear about any demons or God or anything and to just get out of here. He's like, no, I can fix this. I've done a lot of traveling and I learned a lot about locusts. (laughs) (laughs) I did think it was a little funny that she's acting like Reagan's there when she's like, get out of here, leave us alone. It's like, she's not even here. Yeah, she's not here. It's like, you need to be finding her too. All the help you can get. Yeah, Yeah. just like, look what happened. We still don't know where she is. You're coming over here. She's not here. I'm going to find her because of what you did. Yeah. Yeah. But nope. No. But we cut to Reagan at the Natural History Museum, walking around, carrying the shopping bag and clearly looking for someone. Very oddly, a couple loudly argues with each other and then walks by as if nothing happened. I don't know why this is part of this. I don't know, man. But Father Lamont walks into the frame, telling Reagan that Sharon and Dr. Tuscan don't understand what's going on if they try to put her back in the hospital. Reagan asks if he found the man with the leopard. I'm like, why aren't you saying his name? Yeah. (laughs) She said it before. Yeah. Mm. She told him. Yeah. But she asks if he told Lamont how to fight Pazuzu. Lamont says that Kakumo told him that good and evil are struggling within Reagan and she must fight it. Reagan raises the bag, saying that she brought this with her. It's Tuscan synchronizer. I busted out. <laughs> she <laughs> snuck she into her office. Yeah. That's crazy. But Sharon arrives at Tuscan's house, immediately asking her why she didn't telephone the police. Tuscan gets her kids ready to drop off at a neighbor's house, telling Sharon that she's taking it upon herself to find Reagan and Father Lamont. Lamont leads Reagan through the halls of a seedy hotel, where Reagan sets up the synchronizer on a table. She asks Lamont if he remembers Sandra and tells him that she's still talking. Lamont doesn't answer this and just peers out the window, the sound of the city coming through, as he tells her that she has a great gift and to keep it from evil. Reagan starts the machine, the strobe lights flashing. Lamont mutters that Pazuzu will brush him with his wings, but Reagan tells him not to be afraid. Nate is buzzing out laughing. (laughs) He's like, I'm really scared. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's really obsessed with the wing brushing. (laughs) None of them know how to really even use this machine. No, No. I was going to say, shouldn't there be someone here to help us? Yeah. Yeah. But we're like, we'll wing it. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll brush it with our wings. <laughs> but Reagan tells him not to be afraid, reassuring him that Father Marin will help them. They place the devices on their heads, Reagan's light strobing much slower than Lamont's, and she brings him down to her level to meet her. She got into it quick as hell. She did. She's like, I'm kind of yeah. <laughs> professional at this point. But the lights eventually sink with a low hum as they sit across from each other. Through the lights, they're transported back to the exorcism that night in Washington, the demon inside of Reagan reaching its hand out to a dying Marin, telling him that his hopes will die with him. Marin tries to pull himself up, but can't, and instead he retreats to a memory of a young Kakumo swinging his bull roarer in the field. 
Marin's voice is overheard, saying that it's not only Kakumo, but that there are others like him, and they've begun to appear in the world. As he performs the exorcism of Kakumo, he says that he found them when he could, and he tried to protect them against evil. Lamont sees the girl in South America that he couldn't save, as Marin says that Satan sent Pazuzu from hell to try to destroy this goodness. The girl asks, Why me? I heal the sick. Marin tells Lamont that he must take his place and that Reagan is precious. As he reaches his feet in Washington, he says that he entrusts Reagan to him. But when the camera pulls back, we see that Marin is in the stone temple in Africa, only now a much older man. Through snarling and wails, an evil forest moves through the rocky terrain into Reagan's bedroom door in Washington. This shit is fantastic. Yeah. I was watching this and I was like, am our tears welling in my eyes? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is this the same movie? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was poignant. It was important. It was mm. emotional. It was true to the characters. Yeah. It connects the evil from the past. All of Father Marin we saw at the beginning of The Exorcist. Mm. Yeah, yeah. To Kakumo in Africa, to Reagan's bedroom door in Washington. I was like, this is so good. Yeah. And these are the moments of brilliance that I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. But suddenly, the alarm sounds, causing Reagan and Lamont to exit the session. He leaves without a word, Reagan questioning his every step as he leads her out into the city. Wait, 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 wait. tell me what's happening. <laughs> yes! Yeah, I know nothing, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see any of that. No. But Tuscan, Sharon, and Liz arrive at the hospital, and after discovering that the synchronizer is missing, <laughs> Tuscan remarks that Reagan and Lamont are way ahead of them. Everyone's fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But back in the city, Reagan follows Lamont, begging him to see her as he just stares forward wordlessly, making his way through Penn Station. They actually filmed at Penn Station. Oh, cool. Uh, Linda Blair was talking about how they shut it down and it was wild for her because she travels through here uh, in her regular everyday life. That's so cool. (laughs) It was just very interesting to see. For her, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, I was like, I wasn't fucking there. I don't know why I'm always putting myself in these moments. We were really surprised that they let us do that. <laughs> yeah. Really grateful to the city of New York. <laughs> Reagan finds a payphone and pops a few coins in to use it. At the hospital, Tuscan watches through a window as many of her patients are taking part in a group activity, singing Old MacDonald Has a Farm. Had a farm. <laughs> He used to have one. He lost it. I'm sorry. In this economy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we can't. We can't keep these barn doors open. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was just, past yeah. ten. He used to have a farm. I did. <laughs> I thought it was strange that all of this is going on. She's like, oh, they're a step ahead of us. They stole that synthesizer to use that synthesizer mm-hmm. yes unsupervised mm-hmm. and you're sitting there watching the children sing smiling yeah. i was like ma'am get, get your ass in gear yeah. <laughs> and she does she just sits there smiling at them but the intercom buzzes and liz tells her that it's reagan tuscan answers and reagan immediately confesses to having taken the synchronizer <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have to dude we, yeah. knew, we knew it i laughed out loud at this because she apologizes for it but she goes i left it at the dixie hotel room 27 <laughs> it's yeah. like you didn't even <laughs> snag it you just left it there for anyone to s- the, the like anybody they were in a hurry man the staff is like what the <laughs> hell <laughs> is this it was still set up <laughs> it was <laughs> But Tuscan, with Sharon close by listening, tells Reagan that the synchronizer doesn't matter and asks where she is and if Father Lamont is with her. Reagan says that they're both at Penn Station. 
Tuscan asks if Lamont is going to Washington, to the house, and Reagan knows that he is. Tuscan warns her not to go with him, but she tells the doctor that Lamont is doing this for her, so she has to. Despite Tuscan's warnings that Reagan is in terrible danger, she just apologizes, hangs up, and chases after Father Lamont, joining him on the train without a ticket. I will say, watching Father Lamont walk into a like full trance, yeah, but go and stand in line was hilarious. That's yeah. so funny. I laughed so hard. I was yeah. like, so as long as you just move confidently, you don't got to pay for it. <laughs> 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 I know it's adjusted later, but I was like, oh, we're on the train. Yeah. <laughs> But back at the hospital, and I don't like to use this word at all, but I could not believe that this is what was said in this moment. Sharon crosses her arms and she mutters, stupid bitch. I was like, who? I gasped. I was like, Reagan? Reagan or Tuscan. Either way. Yeah. Or fucking Liz. We're letting her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but who were we talking about? I, it yeah. was so left field. I could not believe it. I was very confused because we come right to that scene and that's what we hear immediately. Yeah. It, immediate cut. Yeah. To that. And I was like, who? What? <laughs> who is? <laughs> but Tuscan gathers her things to leave for Washington, telling Liz to call her kids and says that she'll be in touch. Sharon joins her as they exit the building, but on the train, Reagan passes several commuters and travelers, finally finding Father Lamont, who sits catatonic in a seat. She asks him if he has any money, and we see the conductor, played by Hank Garrett, walking down the aisle. I want to call out Hank Garrett very quickly because he played the bartender in the Amityville Horror. Oh, Oh, shit. The one that said that Josh Brolin looked like the DeFeo boy? Yeah. Yeah. Character actor. Okay. Just weird. Yeah. All right. But the conductor snags Reagan's arm when he sees her snatching Lamont's wallet from his pocket. But Reagan lies that Lamont is sick and that they gave him an injection. Lamont turns suddenly to the conductor, telling him, leave her alone. She belongs to me. I was like, holy shit. As you were. Yeah. I was like, so now you're possessed? Uh, yes. Um, But it did look like she was robbing. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. Very <laughs> clearly. She was like, listen, yeah. he was brushed by the wings of a locust. <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> But who is that speaking? Is that Pazuzu or is that the priest? I don't know. I don't know. He is he is so hypnotized. Yeah. I don't know what is what. Because yeah. in a moment, when the, we'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk. <laughs> but in their car, the road is blocked for Tuscan and Sharon because of an accident ahead. The victim of the car accident, played by Lori Goldman, stumbles in the street asking for a doctor and pressing himself to their windshield. Tuscan clearly wants to help, but Sharon tells her to drive on, assuming that someone else must have called for an ambulance. He's literally laying on my windshield. Yeah. What do yeah. you mean drive on? As a doctor. Yeah. Tuscan begins to drive away, but she remembers that she took an oath about this sort of thing and <laughs> s- stops the car to take a look at the man. A plane flies above them, the light of which transitions to the light of the train that Lamont and Reagan are on. Again with these flashing lights. But Lamont stares out the window... Lights passing them by as he remarks to Reagan that the power is getting closer and asking her if she can feel it. How did he buy the tickets? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Where's that scene? Because I want to see that. And it's funny because Reagan's like, do you have any money? Because he's like, one ticket. (laughs) 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 But he says that the power fills him and he can do anything. He makes sure that she called Tuscan, and she says that she did. 
We see an airplane moving through the clouds, and on it, we see Tuscan and Sharon seated. I will say the miniature of the airplane through the clouds, Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. But after a moment, the plane begins experiencing turbulence and lurching forward. Back on the train, Reagan begs Father Lamont not to be lost to her. The shot lingers for far too long as she sizes him up with her eyes. The music here is very like... um like studio ghibli yeah <laughs> like, really very uplifting and like i don't know i was like what the fuck because <laughs> this is like leading up to the climax of yeah, the film yeah. yeah so it just it felt a little uh misplaced to me <laughs> and again as it continues when we reach where we reach you're right that it would be great to have the theme yeah yeah like why not mm-hmm But the airplane continues overhead, leveling off, and Tuscan helps man on the plane, played by Richard Paul, loosen his tie to help him. (laughs) She, okay, I understand what they're trying to do because she loosens his tie to help make him feel better. Yeah. But they're very oddly doing this thing of good and evil between her and Sharon on this plane. Yeah. And I don't understand what's going on because she turns her attention to Sharon, crossing her arms, and Sharon asks why Tuscan's looking at her like that, and the scene just ends. You're forcing something for an ending that you did not establish no you didn't set it up no and so now it's like oh well, fuck uh make her a bitch it's like what <laughs> where is this coming from have yeah. her call reagan a bitch or whatever it's like <laughs> what like i don't know it doesn't make any sense no back on the train lamont is still consumed by the power and he says that he must take reagan to the house in georgetown she asks if Kakumo told him to, and Lamont just says that Kakumo told him the good locust. That's almost the sentence. <laughs> I'm the good locust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Tuscan and Sharon arrive in Washington, attempting to steal a cab right from under another traveler, but to no avail. Did Tuscan get hit in the face? Did she? I think because well, there's like a scuffle, and she's like, "Ow!" Oh. And then she comes out, and she's holding her cheek. God damn! Wow. They don't. They're not fucking around with those cabs. <laughs> Jesus. But meanwhile, Reagan and Lamont catch a bus to Georgetown. Tuscan and Sharon finally hail a cab. The taxi driver, played by Bill Grant, is given the address. 8 Prospect Street, Georgetown. He's clearly disturbed to hear this address. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, He is, and it was kind of giving um, the uh, maintenance man from 1408. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, I'm not going in there. <laughs> yeah. Like That's what it felt like. And you know what? He's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Reagan and Lamont wait on the bus while the uncredited driver eats a sandwich. <laughs> Lamont snaps at him, telling him to get going because the girl needs to get home. Sandwich in his mouth and very annoyed, he shifts into drive. No way I could sit in the front of a bus full of people uh-huh. waiting to leave eating a sandwich i thought that was hilarious i will say that i heard on commentary that this was customary in a lot of cities the bus driver eats his lunch while the bus piles on that's what i was gonna say oh so it, w- it wasn't ready to depart yet no no okay that's different he's so on Lamont's his lunch break yeah yeah lamont pazuzu whoever he is. <laughs> yeah, whatever this is <laughs> that's literally my comment wow. this dude's probably on his lunch break yeah in between trips or a layover, letting people get in, what doing an their asshole. luggage, yeah. and you're yelling at this dude to put a sandwich down. <laughs> that guy Come probably on. hasn't eaten all day. No. What a dick. He's like, throw it out the window. Yeah. <laughs> don't even <laughs> eat it dry. <laughs> That's dangerous. <laughs> He's probably going to take and eat it himself. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that sandwich. <laughs> 
but very annoyed with sandwich in his mouth, the driver shifts into gear. The taxi, however, is stopped by police directing traffic, and Tuscan gets out to talk to the officer to hopefully let them through. The taxi driver says that Tuscan won't help anything, but Sharon tells him that Tuscan is a doctor and someone is dying. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's like, call an ambulance, yeah. but not <laughs> for me. <laughs> Who's dying? I don't know. He's trying to make it more serious. <laughs> but from the famous staircase outside of the house on Prospect Street, we see the bus pull up and park to let passengers off. Lamont rushes ahead of Reagan, and she rushes to catch up with him as they ascend the steps. Tuscan and Sharon are still behind, begging their driver to go faster. But Lamont makes it into the house. Reagan, for some reason, not able to make it through the same gate that he just walked through. Yeah, I didn't yeah. understand. Did not get that at all. Not at all. Even if he hauled us up there, he like you said, it's the same gate. It would still be unlocked. I wonder, do y'all think that this return would have been more impactful if he didn't come here earlier in the movie with Sharon. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I kind of feel like we should not have seen the stairs or the house until right now. It is more okay. because it's like, yeah. Oh, we're back. Like we, we already, came, we already saw it. Uh-huh. You know, I feel like it would have been more of a gut punch of like a, a full circle moment to just end it here. All right. And honestly, nothing was accomplished by coming here the first time. No, I I feel like I understand we saw the bed and and, and everything, but I feel like that could have been a conversation at their house there. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was all conversation. Uh, You know, just a thought. No, it's fair. But Lamont bursts the door open, making his way up the stairs to Reagan's bedroom. She hops the fence, getting her sweater caught and having to leave it behind. The taxi driver pulls onto Prospect Street but just as he does, the windshield shatters, obstructing his view. <laughs> At the exact same time, the door to Reagan's bedroom bursts open, a swarm of locusts pouring out of it. They overtake Father Lamont and pin him to a wall. As on the street, the taxi driver loses control of the car, spinning wildly. He says, it's going crazy. And then he literally <laughs> punches a hole in the windshield, <laughs> crashing right into the gate of the old McNeil house, destroying it and his car in the process. This is very much off the rails for me. Yeah. From I, the, we heard you like locust <laughs> to the punch, dude, the, the when he punch. punched that windshield, I had to pause it because I fucking could not stop laughing. Oh, yeah. I, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's the proximity of how quickly everything's moving. It's yeah. so fast. I just can't. It's too much, dude. Because they're spinning. Yes. Yeah. How are you going to show this to people and expect them not to laugh? There's no way. It's impossible. There's no way. I will say John Paul watched it before me and I was in the other room and I heard him cackling. Like, I don't know if it was from this point on. Oh, yeah. But it was the end of the movie and he was laughing his ass off. I am not at all surprised. The And the car is smashed like a Coke can. It what is. What was that made out of? You just ran into Coke a fence. <laughs> Aluminum, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you ran into a fence. Yeah. Even if there was brick, whatever, you're in a car, dude. You're going to knock that fence down. Cars were a lot that weaker in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and fences were a lot no. stronger. <laughs> it did bum me out because I'm pretty sure this driver just dies. Yes. And nobody oh, gives a fuck. That's yeah. the thing. Nobody cares. They said another cut of the film, you show the driver. They show. I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I put you there. Yeah. You guys instead of me this right. time. Um, another cut of the film shows the driver is like hand twitching as he dies. Come on, man. We don't. Yeah, we don't. But we get nothing. That. Yeah. Like we get nothing no, else from him. Not at all. 
<laughs> just let him crawl away. Yeah. That's it. He got to safety. What That's did, a, please, yeah. what did he, he do? didn't even want to come here. Yeah, he didn't. I will say that before they start spinning out and the windshield breaks, a car pulls in front of them with a red flag on it. And on commentary, they said it's intentional. It's a red flag. It's like, stop. Ah, okay. Which is interesting. Right, yeah. Yeah. But Reagan makes her way upstairs cautiously, but stumbles into Father Lamont, who sits frozen on the floor. She asks him to let her reach him, but he just points to her bedroom door, which is closed. Sharon climbs out of the wreckage, but a sly smile spreads across her face as Tuscan begs her for help, still stuck in the back seat. She begs Sharon to at least help Reagan fight this thing, but Sharon tells her to name it. Tuscan says it. Pazuzu. And Sharon just smiles at the sound of the name. What the when, fuck? When? Yeah. I need this explained. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't do it. Reagan enters her old bedroom, finding the possessed version of herself sitting on her bed. The demon turns and looks at her as she screams. But downstairs, Tuscan pulls herself from the car, pulling barbed wire from her shoulder. She begs Sharon to let her inside, but Sharon just stands there in a pool of gasoline leaking from the crashed taxi. I can't believe that this whole time Sharon was the locust. I guess. Yeah, I did not I see that coming. It feels they're treating it like a twist ending. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I just, uh, I don't give a shit. I was just like, yeah. what? <laughs> I don't, I don't, we spent what, 10 minutes total with Sharon? Yeah. If that. If, if, that, if yeah. that, yeah. But upstairs, the demon's voice says Reagan's name. But before she can even react, Lamont seizes her, throttling her as she pleads with him to remember Father Marin and Kakumo. The demon shouts, no, and tells Reagan that Father Lamont has chosen the demon. Again, <laughs> they brush the wings. I'm yeah. So confused. <laughs> I'm so confused. It says that Pazuzu's Reagan is the only Reagan. And we see the demonic face of Pazuzu transform into the normal face of Reagan with glowing green eyes. This demonic Reagan leans seductively in bed, telling Father Lamont, be joined with us, Father. I'm sick. Uh, yeah. And I'm even more sick because Lamont wastes no time. Oh, no. Burying his face into the demon's neck as the real Reagan weekly protests. I, I don't understand what what's happening here. I guess if this whole thing has been him fighting sexual temptation, the whole movie that he had... Has he brushed the wings and he lost his fucking mind? I don't know. He's giving in, I guess. Is but I, she's a child. She's a she's a, what sixteen, right? Canonically, canonically. I know Linda Blair. I think was seventeen, which still a okay. child. Yeah, yeah, you're still a fucking kid. This is weird, and I hate it. I I yeah, hate. This. I don't. I didn't like this. I didn't like this at all. This was added way later. Okay, while they were shooting, and it was supposed to be Father Lamont and the demon. And okay. some point it changes and they're like, no, it's going to be Linda Blair. And it was apparently much worse. And Linda Blair complained, of course. Yeah. Good. And they were able to change uh, it to be way less than it was meant to be. He's like, you guys know Tom Atkins? No. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. Don't bring yeah, that man's name. <laughs> Don't Not here. No. They're Not like, here. No. Like, no, no. But I feel like. He has a special contract. <laughs> Not for you. Pazuzu could have taken any other form. Yeah. No, yeah. The woman in, in Africa. 
Sharon, the doctor, that any, it seems like there's been something between them the whole movie. Yeah. Any other form. Why does she have to be a fucking teenage girl yeah. that you're supposed to be protecting? Mm-mm. It's just it, that did not yeah. work for me. And I was disgusted. Very much. Yeah. And if I'm Reagan, I'm like, I can't. Eat, I'm not traveling back. With yeah. You. No, <laughs> yeah after for real? Fucking this free is now, done. Yeah. <laughs> like, we can't be friends yeah. anymore. <laughs> but as Lamont kisses the demon's neck. It orders Lamont to kill Reagan. Outside, Sharon steps on one of the headlights, which rests in the pool of gasoline. She immediately goes up in flames and the music rises dramatically. Well, she went out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. She died doing what she loved. I'll say Mata. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I put, I don't understand why she's doing this. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. But Tuscan can do nothing but watch her burn and call out to her. Upstairs, Lamont proceeds to beat the hell out of Reagan while shouting that the wings are brushing him. <laughs> we know, dude. We know. We're, we got it clear on the wings. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but just then, Kakumo's words come out of Reagan's mouth. We like to call her the good locust. She was evolved to resist the brushing of the wings. Demon Reagan tells him that once the wings have brushed him, he's Pazuzu's forever. But Kakumo's words continue from Reagan. She'll break the chain reaction. The demon commands Lamont to kill Reagan, so he continues throwing her against the wall. But Reagan repeats the words of the possessed girl from the beginning. Why me? This stops Lamont in his tracks, and he hears Kakumo's voice again. You must tear out her evil heart. Lamont drops Reagan and seizes the demonic Reagan. The demon calls out to Reagan and then shouts, Pazuzu! I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? What is happening? <laughs> but we see a cloud of locusts descend upon Washington from the sky. Meanwhile, Sharon is still burning. Yeah. <laughs> she blocks Tuscan's only entrance, and so she shouts out for help from the street. But after seeing locusts in the sky, she rushes over to the fire and crouches there. A locust in a POV shot hovers over towards the window, and we see that inside, Lamont is still wrestling with the demon Reagan. By the way, on commentary, they explain that because we're seeing this locust from the POV, that whatever is happening with this demon Reagan, that's not Pazuzu. I was going to say, so Pazuzu's what? the locust or Pazuzu's in Reagan? Pazuzu's the locust. So the whatever's in Reagan was like, <laughs> Pazuzu's the <laughs> <laughs> <Pazuzu's laughs> <laughs> He's killing oh, me. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. So who's, who is that? That's that's apparently the Legion. But oh, we, oh, my God. Okay. I th- oh, dude, I can't. I, I can't. It's, it's convoluted. That makes right. no sense. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> But suddenly the window bursts open, the entire swarm filling the room as Reagan shields herself and a foul lind lifts the demonic Reagan off the bed. Tuscan watches as the house begins to come apart, light pouring through the cracks in the brick and the foundation. This is all practical. Very cool. All right. Yeah. It reminded me of Poltergeist. That's what yeah. they, they talked about that on commentary, saying that they think Poltergeist kind of got the idea. <laughs> That's wild yeah. to say about drone. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, pretty sure they stole this from us. <laughs> Well, honestly, that was the, the immediately the first thing I thought of. Yeah. 
We're the trendsetters. We, yeah. <laughs> we kicked ass. Right, you hate our movie, but you're stealing it. Yeah, yeah you're stealing it. <laughs> we <stuff>. kicked ass. <laughs> you know it. I know it. Um, <laughs> but the entire room coming apart upstairs. Lamont pins the demonic Reagan to the bed while the real Reagan screams for her life, teetering on a slender piece of the floorboard that's still left underneath her. Lamont reaches into the demon's chest, tearing through her flesh and seizing her heart and ripping it out. It looked like he ripped it out of her stomach. Yeah, it was bad. Um, yeah. Also, I really wanted my demon showdown to be more than just <laughs> this man punching yeah. Reagan in a fucking nightie in a robe. Like, yeah. This is not what I wanted. And the fact that this is the final showdown and that's not even Pazuzu, I'm just pissed off now. Yeah. yeah. The, the locust is like, no, don't. Yeah. <laughs> Doing nothing. I just, I don't understand. And again, there's stuff going on. The production of this destruction of the house. Yeah. It looks good. It does. And I'm like, you know, I just want to care more. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it is, like you said, even if it's just a demon, uh huh, you're just getting your ass kicked, and yeah. you're just like, "Oh, stop punching me!" <laughs> yeah. Like, there's nothing supernatural about that. With you're human <laughs> punches, yes. yes, that's hilarious. He that is so funny. He didn't dip his hands in holy water. No, no he didn't nothing. put on brass knuckles that have inscriptions <laughs> on. No, him. yes, he no. didn't anything. Not at all. I don't get it. But Tuscan holds a burned Sharon and watches in disbelief as Reagan tumbles down what is left of the staircase inside the house. She holds on to the railing, watching as the demonic Reagan rolls lifelessly down to the bottom of the stairs. As the house crumbles around them, the area filling with locusts and dirt, Reagan rises and starts whipping her arm like Arsenio Hall. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is she fucking fist pumping, yeah. dude? I, that's hilarious that's it that's it that's this is this is that was the answer to everything take your shirt off and spin it around (laughs) your head like a helicopter if we learned anything from i believe pd pop yes that's it (laughs) that's all we needed dude it's like oh the whole time he was right yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god jesus (laughs) (laughs) but in her mind's eye she is kakumo whipping the bull roarer in an African field. She spins in a circle and locusts become flightless all around her, collecting on the ground, tamed and happy-go-lucky until they disappear. Again, this is the finale, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is what we've been it, building towards. It, yeah. it worked. And in that, I, again, I was operating this entire time until you said that, T, thinking that Pazuzu was in Demon Reagan. Yeah. So knowing that that's not the case, Pazuzu was in that swarm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And even he was like, all right, all right. Yeah. I'll back down. <laughs> I am, I, I I don't even know what to say. This is um, insulting almost, this yeah. whole last part. But that's what I'm saying. Like right when this was all happening, you get the tension and the music and you're like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I said, you get the champion moment and then this happens and it's like, that's it? Yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> she raised up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they should have just played that <laughs> I just want to just, I want everyone to pause for a moment and think about the climax of the original uh-huh. the exorcist mm-hmm. yeah and it's just unbelievable mm-hmm. yeah 
And it, it really sucks because it's supposed to be this poignant moment of bringing Reagan and Kakumo together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Showing that this is the good that unites against evil. Mm-hmm. And I'm laughing my ass off. Yeah. yeah. No, because it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Lamont wanders into the street as the score surrounds them with uplifting music before fading away. Dying in Tuscan's arms, Sharon admits, I chose evil. When? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Lamont tells her that she didn't. He says that her hunger for belief was her truth, and he reads her her last rites. Reagan calls out somberly for Sharon, and Sharon mutters, Reagan before slipping into death. Lamont stands resolute, telling Reagan, the time has come. We are now saved and made strong. An enemy of the human race is subdued. This house is clean. <laughs> <laughs> they took that from us. Yeah. <laughs> they stole it. <laughs> Tuscan rises to her feet, walking over to Reagan with Lamont. She apologizes to Reagan, telling her tearfully that she understands now, but the world won't. Not yet. I'm glad Tuscan understands because I do not. Yeah, yeah the world is the audience right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, they won't understand because they're not like smart enough and they don't understand <laughs> subtext. <laughs> We're like, the people who wrote this are, yeah. <laughs> are in this theater right now. But Lamont hugs her as she sobs and Tuscan tells Lamont that he has to go. He has to go and take care of Reagan. Mm-mm. Never yeah. again. No. He was just trying to make out with her. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Fucking freak. <laughs> <laughs> but she watches as Lamont puts his arm around Reagan and they step into the debris of the house, walking together into the night as sirens, vehicles, police, and bystanders immediately and suddenly surround Tuscan. A white light flashes in a strobe, drowning out the sounds of everything around her, and she stares into nothing as a policeman asks if she's okay. We fade into white. She should have said, nah, I'm pretty fucking far from okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, God. That was good. <laughs> so what did you guys think of Exorcist 2, The Heretic? I'll be completely honest. I know we talked about it uh, up at the top about everybody saying how really bad the movie was and it working in its favor. Um I really, really enjoyed this train wreck of whatever the fuck was going on. Um, it's almost like you see in slow-mo every car come off the track, uh-huh. but in detail. So it's not... I don't want to say that it's pretty because that's never pretty, but like, you know what I mean? Like you watch a butterfly and hear some some very soft bird singing in the back and you're just like, oh man, this day is great. The movie... It's terrible, and you see everything about it. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but, With the butterfly? But it's it looks good. Okay, okay. It looks good. You and then me back. It's, it's like, oh, okay, I want to pay attention. Yes. But I'm confused. Oh, 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 I still don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, I get it. Why are they walking away? Yeah. What the yes. fuck? <laughs> what? I don't, I don't understand, mm-hmm. but I like it. I like the silly shit and I know it's not meant to be, but God damn, this movie made me laugh, like laugh, laugh. And I was like, I don't know if that's a good thing or, (laughs) or a bad, Um, but I, I did enjoy this being so bad, but not terrible. I mean, 
yeah, it was not the bad that I thought it was going to be from what people were saying about it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was bad. Like, it, this is not a good movie for no. me. If you like it, I love that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not for me. It is not no. good. That being said, there are aspects to it that I'm like, if you would have done more of that, if you would have fleshed <laughs> that out. Oh, I like how that looked. Oh, I like that score. Oh, they're giving really good performances. But for what? Almost. Yeah. There are so many aspects to it that are good. But when you take a step back and you look at this overall, it is a mess. It's a mess. It is a confused mess with a deeply, (laughs) deeply unsatisfying conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, there are still components to like. That's why it's like it's not like this movie is just like, oh, they didn't even try. No, I feel like they did try. And I think a lot of that comes through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what a fucking mess. Yeah. They tried everything. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe they tried too much. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. I think the one thing that they didn't try, which is very surprising coming off of The Exorcist, is they didn't try to be scary. No. 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 At all. That's a good point. <laughs> I didn't think about that. None of this was scary. No. But you saying that Borman saw the first film as just torturous, right? Yes. The first film was scary. Mm-hmm. If that is what he saw and was like, oh, no, uh-uh, none of that, then it makes sense to me. Yeah. You went the other way with it. It makes sense from his standpoint, but not yeah. from audience expectation. Yeah. No, no, no. From his yes, standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I agree with you both. I think the thing for me is just knowing all that you've heard of it before. Yeah. And you're like watching it and you're waiting for it to be as bad as people say. Yeah. And it really didn't get there for me. Yeah. It's not good for me. No. <laughs> like, I just want to be clear. Yeah, no. But the worst film ever made? No. Yeah, that's a bit much. And I feel like if this were its own thing, people wouldn't feel that way. Probably not. Yeah. Um, and I, d- you had mentioned something. I don't know if, I don't know when it was. Time is a flat circle. But you had mentioned that if they had done this like Halloween 3 mm-hmm. and made it, Maybe just like its own thing, like an anthology entry or maybe Pazuzu just out fucking around. I think the difficulty is, again, how much connection it has to everything. That's the problem. That's where they. But the thing is, is that's where they shine for me. Yeah. But but that's also where it hurts. Yeah. Because it it takes. I don't know. Because you need to take it all the way. Yeah. And you need to take it seriously. (laughs) Yes. You can't go back to the house in Georgetown and do whatever the fuck you did. (laughs) You can't do that. Yeah. That's offensive. (laughs) <laughs> and Reagan can't be Kramer. No. Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. And I think that's my biggest thing is that it just does not feel like a connection in that way. Yeah. Of characters. Because mm-hmm. that's not what I expected or wanted from Reagan in a in an Exorcist sequel. Yeah, it was very no. it was very weird because that didn't seem that seemed very out of character. Yeah. She was like, Well, like, oh, I was just possessed by Yeah. It's like I'm sorry. <laughs> and of course, Linda Blair does the best she can with what she's given. Yeah. yeah. She's and just so, not given much. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean the cast is great, production design. Mm-hmm. There are sequences that are actually really good. Oh, yeah. That little, uh, whenever they're hooked up to the synchronizer and Father Marin kind of takes you through the whole history. Yeah. yeah. That was really good. But then you're like, <laughs> where's Father Karis? Where's, 
you know, anything to, I just, I don't know. It's just such a confused film. Yep. I get why people like it. I get why people loathe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I am somewhere caught in between. Yeah. And I don't feel enough about this film to go <laughs> either side. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah. But, you know, I guess that can lead us into ratings. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this was an ambitious undertaking and it took a very courageous filmmaker to do this because if you're going to do a sequel for The Exorcist, the easiest thing in the world to do, another possessed child in a city, Reagan somehow becomes involved. Yeah. Yeah. Just that easy. Yeah. Even uh, it's a family that moved into the same house as Chris <laughs> McNeil. And, yeah. And, you know, but they didn't do that. No. And that is courageous. Yeah. It's also, you know, in its own way, kind of misguided. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's you know, you got to applaud them, but you got to be like, what the hell was that? Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> At the same time. But, uh, you know, on the positive side, I said production design. The cast is great. The score is fantastic. Uh, I really like the vibe of any film from the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate a lot of camera movement how risky they were with how they decided to shoot these flashbacks uh i like the themes of the film i will say the locust they lean on it pretty heavy very heavy (laughs) but it makes a lot of sense yeah and then at sometimes it's very difficult to follow Mm -hmm. especially when it's at the end and it's like oh she wasn't pazuzu yeah Yeah. like wait then who the hell is he fighting who is he being seduced by? What demon I'm, is he punching? I don't know, because I'm pretty sure it was Pazuzu the whole it movie was. the first time. Well, because Pazuzu even said the only, what, Pazuzu Reagan is the only Reagan or something like that? Yeah. Oh, I'm not Pazuzu. I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. And I know the line, you know, we are legion for we are many or whatever it is. So, I mean, maybe it is just a bunch of demons knocking about. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess not. But on the negative side, I think the biggest mistake that they had or that they made is the inability to follow Reagan, who is who we want to follow the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know this dude. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know Father Lamont. Right. Enough to care enough to basically spend the majority of time with him to where it's like, oh, man, I hope he saves Reagan. It's like, no, I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then later he's possessed or something. And that whole <laughs> final act. It, yeah. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why they went there. I'm telling you, dude, like literally I was watching it. That was happening. I was like, damn, we're getting into it. Then all that happens or that happens. Mm-hmm. And I won't say all, but yeah. that <laughs> happens. And then it, it, we see them walking away or whatever. And I was like, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's all. I was looking at the time and I swear it's like 10 minutes of them in the house at the end. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and there's three minutes of credits too. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I just don't know. And it's just, it just ends up being very unsatisfying. Yeah. Even for the good moments that the movie has. Yeah. So it's very difficult for me. I, I think I'm going to be fair because there is a lot of nostalgia for The Exorcist. Even seeing the Georgetown house, even if it wasn't the real thing, seeing those stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like a lot of effort went into this and I see it. And a lot of times I see what they were going for. Right. It's just the execution isn't up to snuff. Yeah. 
So for me, out of 10 strobe-induced specters, <laughs> I am going to give Exorcist 2, The Heretic, four strobe-induced specters out of 10. It's not as bad as I've heard. It's still bad for me. <laughs> but it I've seen films I've liked a lot less. Okay. That had a lot yeah. less redeeming factors, even with all the fuckery. But I will now open the floor to you. So honestly, though, man, you really just kind of covered everything. Yeah. I mean, that's the movie. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's pretty. You know what I mean? Like, you can tell there was some care. There was, you know, they they did try. They wanted to make this movie make sense. Yeah. I don't know what happened in the process, but it doesn't make sense to me anyway, or to us shit. Um and I will, and I'm not defending this movie, but I would not say this is as bad as American Werewolf in Paris. <laughs> no. I there I like I said, whether it was intentional or not, I laughed. Mm-hmm. I was like laughing. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? And it is, I'm sure if I just sat there and watched it, or if a group of people watched it and you're just like, what? You know what I mean? You're gonna all make fun of the movie, or you're gonna have questions and you're gonna be what you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it would also be still a fun time. Now, it would be, oh, that movie was terrible, but I mean, fuck, you know, this and that. You are still going to talk about it later. Yeah. I don't want to talk about American Werewolf in Paris anymore. <laughs> in 20 more years, we can maybe. Yeah, we can talk about it again. But um, for the comparison, that's what I'm going to use because I feel like that was a movie that we all sat here and we were like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And using it as a sequel. Because exactly. that's a sequel for London. Yeah. So if I'm going to go off of that, I, there's no way I can be like, oh, this movie is is as bad as Paris. No, that I, for me, I don't feel that way. Yeah. Um, But I did have a lot of fun talking about it and learning about it. And you know what I mean? This The movie tries. If you haven't seen it, but it sounds like everybody's seen it and they hated it. Um. <laughs> Go in and just watch it as the heretic, right? That's, yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Cut the exorcism. Yeah. Well, no, you can't even because Reagan. Yeah. Well, and Father Mary. Don't and worry. The they give off. you they give you a new story to follow. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> you get a brand new story to follow. They'll fill you in. You know what I mean? They'll tell you. You guys like synchronizers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I I I think I agree with you, T. But I'm gonna give it another half point because. I don't think that just giving it twice of Paris is enough. Okay. I think it at least deserves another half <laughs> just to keep it safe, to give it a, that little extra foot away distance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you can hit me from here, but if I take a step one more back, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you can't do anything. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm for me, I'm going to give the exorcist, the heretic or exorcist to the heretic. Yes. yes. On a scale from one to ten, strobe-induced specters, four point five, strobe-induced specters. Very good. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's already been covered. Um, I just, I really don't even know what else I can say about it. <laughs> it truly, when you get to the end, it just flat out does not make sense. Yeah. And, I mean, 
<laughs> like you said, so heavy on the locusts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the wings of said locusts. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> brushed. The brushing yes, of the wings. The brushing. Yes. <laughs> I just did not realize that that's what I was signing up for with this film. I think that the motivations of the characters get very muddy. Mm-hmm. Characters that have acted one way for the whole film suddenly flip. People who are like, no, do this, or suddenly like, no, don't do this. It's very confusing. And more than once, I was like, did I miss a scene? Yeah. Like, HBO, did you cut this up? Like, I, or excuse me, Max, did you cut this yeah. up? I, Just some guy called Max. Yeah. yeah I, um, I was way more confused than I should have been. And yeah. I don't mind being confused if at the end it's like, oh, here it is. And you're like, oh my God. I, I will be confused in the interim. I don't mind that. The ending did not give me that. No. The ending gave <laughs> the ending gave me this priest beating the hell out <laughs> of this teenage girl infested with the demon who's not even the demon that we've been chasing for the whole film. Right. For some for uh, yeah, somehow. Some, some reason. <laughs> Again, like I said before, deeply unsatisfying ending i don't understand what the fuck was going on with sharon i don't know i dear. don't yeah that was weird <laughs> understand the machine i don't understand the trance that he was in toward the end although he's still able to get tickets and whatnot <laughs> i just it, it was um astounding really um but then again, it has these moments that are really cool. That visual of Reagan and Demon Reagan kind of like touching each other's hands and, and fighting. That was very cool. That was pretty cool. Something <laughs> else that hurt it was also uh, it looking nothing like Reagan. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. And whatever the demon was trying to do to that heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it was cool when it was like the hologram or whatever. Yes. But yes. then when you seen them like slapping yeah. each other's hands, it was like, what are you, what are you doing? Go, go back. Zoom out. Zoom out. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I definitely agree with you guys. I think that um the extra point five that you gave is... All it really deserves. Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> that's all. I didn't. That's feel all. That's right. all that you get. Yeah, I didn't feel right giving it the whole five. No, you not at I mean? all. Not at all. So, on a scale from one to ten, strobe-induced specters. Mm-hmm. Um, this film already had its point five cherry on top, and we were generous to give it that. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with a flat four uh, out of ten strobe-induced specters. Um. For everything good that is in this, there's something else that makes no fucking sense. That is oh, very no, fair. Yeah. <laughs> the cherry tomato. Yes. What are what are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> the only thing we can excuse is maybe that was a dream, but they've no, they've not yeah, explained it. They've not explained it. I will say, for me anyway, The Exorcist is not only one of the greatest horror films of all time, but maybe one of the greatest films. Period. Yeah. Right. And I want you both to know that Exorcist three. I think I'll it'll bring you back. I, I'm excited. All right. Yeah, because I've never seen it. It's oh, you're. I think you'll I love saw it. it once years ago. It's so good. I am curious though, since we watched the longest one, if we watch the other versions, you know, would those make sense. I feel like they would make less. Outlook doubtful. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> hey, we'll try. And I know I already gave my rating, but this horny ass priest, dude, go sit down somewhere. Yeah. Like, I, uh, are you going to take another half point? You know what? Three point five. It's a four. <laughs> well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at The Podmortem. 
Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at JuggaloDaddy84. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Thanks again to Original Cinematic for sponsoring this episode. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Windigo Gitter patrons. And remember, though there is security in a swarm, never be afraid to fly solo in your beliefs. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Windigo Gitter patrons. Woo! Yeah! All right, very good. (laughs) A special thank you to... Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sidney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montavo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Nuding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Alicia Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Daniel McGinnis, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Higuera, William and Zena Rush, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Andy Terrell, Jason Hanavan, Abigail Spitzer, Katie K, Erica Morin, Cameron S, Nicole Stewart, Tris Wynn, K.87, Mariah Jensen, Carrie A, Lonnie Lono, Powell, Kayla E, Maggie H, Fernando Dominguez, Murder Stina, No Thanks Tom Hanks, Kevin McGonigal, Kristen Marcy, Ori 81 Boricua, Look Like That One Girl, Bog Boy, Felnez 63, Alita Pui, Probably My Jugs, Kate Thackeray, Wade Pack, Charlie V, A Lizard, Bay J, Luke Ashley, Jay Rich, Jen Lassiter, Topher Williams, Elena Mettler, Neil Chesson, Valerie Kay, Kim Sterling, Christy Lee Kruger, Professor of Humanities, Laura McCarricker, Naomi, Josh Smith, Autumn Green, Jess L, Eat Cell, Heather Santiano, Abby Kopp, Crystal 831, Cassidy Carruthers, Skank Sinatra, Morgan Alexander, Tony Osteen, Julie Fredborg, Rihanna S, Daniel Taylor, Anna Kate, and Heather Ortiz. Thank you all so much. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
thank you all. We appreciate you so much. And we hope that you know that you light up our lives. Aww. Yeah. yeah that's sweet. Like that yeah. strobe light. Yeah. yeah. A little, a little more pleasant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time.